Flyover Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From his undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. But so the point is, is that what we're trying to do is just speak to them, not about where we disagree, but where we agree that they need to have a bigger paycheck and lower health care costs and that their voice should be stronger in, rather than a special dark interest money being spent uh, more important. So that's how we would win. When we win, when we open our Congress, it will be transparent, just as it was when we were in the majority before. It will be transparent so that the people can see how legislation affects their lives. Not in the dark of night's speed of light to pass a tax bill that rips them off, but to have legislation that meets their needs, identifies, connects with them, so that they see where the Republicans are, where the Democrats are on that. And to do so in a way that tries to have as much common ground as possible, bipartisanship if possible, stand our ground like a rock if not, and to try to unify the country. We are not them. We do not act the way they do. But I do think that when you're in the arena and somebody throws a punch, you better be able to take a punch and throw a punch. Yes! (laughs) Yes! Yes, I love that story. Yes. Okay, got it. Yes. This morning, Americans and President Trump are waking up to a new reality here in Washington. Divided government, one-party rule is over. With a House in their hands, Democrats are poised to flex their muscles, taking over committees, including House Intelligence and Oversight, with the power to launch investigations into the president and subpoena top administration officials and documents. At the top of the list, investigations with their newly earned subpoena power. The public may finally get a look at President Trump's personal tax returns, some three years after he promised repeatedly to release them. Democratic lawmakers are expected to use the House Oversight and the House Intelligence Committees to take closer looks at the White House. And perhaps the most volatile issue, the Mueller probe, and a revival of the House's Russia investigation, as well as some of the administration's most divisive actions, like the child separation policy at the border, and the response to the devastation of Puerto Rico, after Hurricane Maria. Also expect a more critical look at the president and his family's private businesses, including their dealings with foreign countries, specifically those with heavy investment in Trump properties. And welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast. It is the 7th of November, year of our Lord, 2018. I had so much material. There's so many sound bites today, it's going to hurt your, your pancreas, but I had to just go today. I couldn't wait. Till Thursday or Friday, I can't remember what I said. Um, but that—that's right up the bat. We 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 want to watch our tone and rhetoric. But the first thing out of Nancy Pelosi's mouth before she even knew she won anything, we're ready for a punch. And then the first thing you hear, as you'll hear during the election, some meltdowns and posts. And I actually punished myself. Woke up early, watched CNN New Day, and I watched MSDNC. With Morning Joe and the statements. I mean, it's the first time I've seen smile on their faces. It's like, let's get that motherfucker. Let's just get that motherfucker. And as I fished today, which was a horrible decision because of the runoff and the river was a total clusterfuck. Almost killed myself with logs that were submerged. Um, 
literally asking every Democrat, so when do you start investigating? When do you start investigating? You're going to investigate. We're going to impeach, right? We're going to impeach. We're going to impeach. We're going to impeach. Brooke Baldwin had Cummings, not Cummings, but the other guy, Claiborne, just on the ropes trying to get him to say yes so she could just jerk herself off under the table. But I digress. We'll get to that. We're going to do a little pre, and then we're going to do a post. A lot of sound bites. But I want to start off with what I went through this weekend. I, I don't like to admit things like this, but I, I got, you know, I took my wife to a lot of bad movies, um, mostly war movies. I've got a pension for The Rock. You know, I've gone to every rock, even the one with the weird-ass dinosaur-looking motherfucker. That was a good movie. I thought the wife hated it. But Skyscraper, yada, yada, yada. So I promised that I would take her to Bohemian Rhapsodies. For the record, yes, I like Queen. They're okay. You know, I, I don't like it all fired up when I hear their songs. There's a few, you know, that are like, hey, that's really good. But my wife is a Queen fanatic. Her ringtone on my phone is, You're my best friend, which is one of the songs that I really like. Um, but I promised her I'd take it. So we're going to go out it's Saturday. You know, I got football going on. I haven't been feeling well. For like the last week, had a little stomach virus. I was fighting. And, uh, you know, my intent was I was going to eat some popcorn, even though it's going to make me nauseous as fuck because I eat popcorn. I like popcorn. And I was going to get nappy on check scores, and just take her to this two-and-a-half-hour fucking long-ass movie about a dude that was gay, didn't want anybody else to know he was gay, and he died of AIDS, and he didn't want to be the poster boy of AIDS, so nobody knew he had AIDS, and then he died. By the end of it, my wife drowsed off for about ten minutes, and I nudged her. And I'm not lying. By the end of this movie, I was crying. Literally crying. I made it through Titanic. I, the only movie I have cried in public was Lone Survivor, the end, wishing uh, or doing the memorial to the lost. I, I, there was, I was in a military, you know, I live in a military town, so there wasn't a person in there that wasn't crying. You know, I, I don't care what they say. They were just better at wiping their tears quicker. And my wife had a drive. I sobbed in the car. Um, that was still when I was dealing with a lot of survivor guilt and getting out of the army during the war, really fucked my head up and whatever. But I usually hold it together. But this movie, I couldn't. I don't know why. The ending is very powerful. And that's why it made over $50 million and something like $600 million worldwide. I mean, it made a shitload of money. So I tell you, I think you'll find a lot of sympathy with this guy. Um, he was loyal to his wife. Even though he was, he was you know, Polly Morris before they actually said it, what it was. And he got pulled in by a gay guy that, from my point of view watching this movie, that fucked his life over, gave him AIDS, and killed him. And that's not what he wanted. Because he was a very sad, lonely man. Now, I would be hard-pressed for anybody to say Freddie Mercury wasn't a talent, a great talent. His voice was amazing. The guy was an entertainer. But when you get this side of it, and then you watch that last performance, and I hate to break it up for anybody has gone, a spoiler alert, fast forward. But he knew he was dying. He didn't know what it was, but he knew he was dying. And that performance at Live Aid that moved me as a child, I watched it, was phenomenal. But he knew he was dying when he went on that stage. He was already really sick. And for some reason, the way they shoot it, 
you know, it's hard not to shed a tear. I gotta be quite honest. It was hard not to get wrapped up in the moment. And even though I don't watch iRobot and the guy that plays iRobot and end up playing Freddie Mercury reminds me way too much of that motherfucker Pete Davidson that we're going to cover today in our pre-election shit, that cocksucker. Well, anyway, I'm not a fan of him, but this if he doesn't win an Oscar for this, I, I think the whole system's rigged because i got to be quite honest. That performance is so good, you do not know he's not Freddie Mercury. By the end, I had lost that this was a movie. And I walked out thinking, I watched a live performance from Live Aid in 1985. It head fucks you that bad. Excuse my French. It's just a great movie. So, go see it. Uh, Other things before we get into it. Remember, an Obama volunteer was arrested... And he was an African-American who trashed a synagogue. Lost in this was a New York Times story. Media ignored it, like they do with the rice and attacks and everything else. They buried it. Jake Tapper, a year ago. Hold on a second. Let, let me pause so I can yell at a dog. Okay, I was abusing a dog verbally. Uh, a year, uh, here we go. A year ago, Pol- Pol- Polite was profiled by New York Times foster care kid who in turn for Democratic City Council Speaker Chris Quinn worked on initiatives combat hate crime, sexual assault, and domestic violence. He's the motherfucker that did it. But the most important stat, which goes in line with what big Tony Reid says on the show, from the same New York Times story and of its significance, during the past 22 months, not one person caught or identified as the aggressor and an anti-Semitic hate crime has been associated with a far right-wing group. The statistics were 160 hate crimes. 40 of them were trans. The rest were Jewish. They can equate 15 of those to transgenders to possibly right-wing. But everything else was not right-wing. Media's not going to tell you that. New York Times buried in the story. But good for Jake Tapper, who also called it a non-blue wave last night, by the way. But he pulled it out. It's not true. Another one, Florida State one, which I'm going to push to the end, because I like to do the attacks on top, but it's in there. Uh, Florida State volunteer uh, for Democrats poured milk all over people, and uh, she got charged for it. That's awesome. Pair of illegal aliens arrested for trafficking meth. One wanted for murder in Mexico. Yeah, but, you know, that, that caravan is a bunch of good dudes. Washington Post writer compares Trump voters to cancer cells. Writing an expansive piece entitled The Eruption for the Outlook section of Sunday's Washington Post nonfiction book critic Carlos Lozada compared Trump voters to military units, cancer cells, and even explosives because they've all been activated with Trump voter because activated as bigots running roughshod over American politics. He concluded that white voters financially and job concerns, while real flowed from the cultural and racial sentiments, you lose your job to those lazy, entitled people who are different from you. It just keeps going on. I'm not going to read anymore. I mean, it just, the pre, the pre will be started off with what it is. Yes, the Democrats won, as of this podcast, I think 31, 30 seats. For the first time in a hundred years, the Senate gained seats for the president in power. That's never happened. But they needed everything to go right because they're so bad at politicking. The Democrats are horrible. They're still going with your piece of shit if you don't vote for me. It doesn't work. And demonizing everybody 
and Kavanaugh and all the theatrics we've gone through for two years. It should have been a tsunami. It was low tide. How could they not win this? They had 10,000 fucking Republican seats up in the House. They should have won the Senate. It happened in Bush. It happened in Obama. It happened in Clinton. And they're politicians. And Donald Trump's a jackalope. He ain't a politician. But it starts with our fire for effect. Rubbing my hands. With a reporter. And this pretty much sums up. I could not do a thing and drop the mic. This sums up midterm 2018. Brenda Battle. I am a reporter with the Huron Daily Tribune in Bad Axe, Michigan. Uh, looking to uh, set up an appointment with Mr. James for some time on Wednesday for a phone interview regarding the election results. I'm probably going to send an email over um, to the info at johnjamesforsenate.com with some details. Um, if you'd like to call me back, my, my number is 989. Thank you. Man, if he beats her, Jesus. Fucking John James. That would suck. I don't think it's going to happen. That's me dropping the fucking mic. That's this election season. That's how reporters have been ask, acting since Donald Trump got elected. That's an African-American veteran. Man, if he beats her, Jesus fuck. King John G. James, that would suck. Woo, I don't think it's going to happen, though. She got fired. But there was no national outrage. Washington posted a blurb. She got fired. No, nothing to see here. Don't see anything. Other journalist, David Roberts, who just now, he lives in Tennessee. Sometimes I think about America's sedentary heart disease, fast food gobbling, car addicted suburbanites sitting watching TV in their suburban castles, casually passing judgment on refugees who have walked a thousand miles to escape oppression. And, well, it makes me mad. These are the people who proclaim their victimhood when Starbucks fails to include sufficient Christmas kitsch on its cups. But these refugees just want handouts, apparently. Yeah. Yeah. You fucking people. You sorry motherfuckers. Phil Kerpet sums it up. This is how Democrats talk about regular Americans. This is what this is why I do a podcast. Sarah Westworld, Westwood, one of the positives. 
Folks, no one knows what's going to happen tonight. R's could lose the House by 10 seats. R's could keep the House. D's could lose five Senate seats. And our D's could flip a couple of our Republican seats. The less of 2016, don't listen to anyone who says they know what will go down. Brian Seltzer's embrace not knowing. Embrace not knowing. Because they started to see it. Their polls are bubble infiltrated. Bubble! Once again, they just can't get out of their way of the bubble. Ezra Klein, I don't think people are ready for the crisis that will follow if Democrats win the House, popular vote, but not the majority. After Kavanaugh, Trump, Garland, Citizens United, Bush v. Gore, the party's on the edge of losing face in the system. I've been part politics pretty long time, and this is the first time anybody's called the popular vote. As we'll see in the post, fucking CNN was running a fucking stat of the popular vote. For a midterm. It's not how any of this works. I'm the old lady just sitting in the living room. It's not how it works. I unfriend you all. Vice writer upset he can't vote without following state laws. Here's another motherfucker that lives in Tennessee. It's election time, which means the left is out in full force trying to tell us people are too stupid or lazy to figure out how to vote. Some people may be too lazy, but Americans aren't stupid and can figure out how to follow law in order to vote. But here comes Vice attempting to prove voter ID laws disenfranchise voters. But the report's author makes it clear he wanted to vote without following simple state laws. Tennessee law requires someone wanting to vote to provide either state or federally issued photo identification. And by state, I mean state of Tennessee, in case that wasn't clear, because it apparently wasn't clear to David Winky, who claimed recently in Vice that despite having a valid driver's license, a student ID card, a voter registration card, his birth certificate, utility bills, and a copy of his lease, he wasn't allowed to vote. Vice, I'm a valid driver, this is the guy tweeting, I have a valid driver's license, student ID, blah, 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 and it still wasn't enough. I couldn't vote. Article. What I feel what it feels like to be disenfranchised by a voter ID law. He's lying. The state also, Tennessee, lists accounts as valid idea, an up-to-date or even expired state driver's license, a U.S. passport, a military ID. Tennessee also provides free Department of Safety and Homeland Security ID cards. Free! Winky had none of those things. He had a Georgia driver's license and refused to change his residency to Tennessee until a month before the 2016 election. He wrote about his problem while voting back in 2016 and well, and at the time he said his wife planned to maintain her voter registration and residency at my parents' house, a permanent address in Georgia, so I kept my Georgia driver's license when moving to Tennessee. We also continued to pay Georgia state income tax. Well, that's illegal. You can't do that. You have established residency in Tennessee. You must do it unless you're military. Every state's that way, douche nozzle. He's so full of shit. He claimed he, they registered to vote in Davidson County and received voter registration card, but this was impossible, as my former Washington Examiner colleague Beckett Adams wrote. Tennessee didn't implement an online voter registration system until 2017, the year after the election he wrote about. I walked in yesterday morning at 7.15 and walked out at 7.18. I had my driver's license, which fucking forever ago when Obama was winning the world, I went down and registered with my birth certificate, got my driver's license, and my registration updated at the time. 
all I had to do on early voting, I just walk in and show my driver's license. They just check and make sure that I'm a registered voter. Takes all of two seconds. But at this place, they just made me recite, what is your residence? Okay. I walked up, punched the ticket for that piece of shit, Marsha Blackburn, because I don't like Bredesen. Voted for Bill Lee, who I really like, Mark Green, an ex-vet, and I voted no on consolidation, which I was not a rare. It was about making the rural areas fall under the government of Clarksville. Nobody wanted it. The rural areas voted 80% against it. The city voted 70%. It was pretty much a done deal. It wasn't going to happen. I don't know who came up with that. But four votes, I walked out the door. Walked out the door. But it's not that hard. This is what Democrats do. They lie. They have truth. Or they don't follow the fucking law. There's laws. He's violating driving laws. He's violating them. I lived here so long, I could no longer, as a military member, renew my Oregon driver's license. Couldn't do it. Had to get a Tennessee license. Didn't change my residency. It just changed my license. I could still claim that I was an Oregonian. I didn't claim I was a Tennessee until right before I retired because as a soldier, I don't have to. But as a citizen moving to any state, blue, red, green, it doesn't fucking matter. If you live there, you have to have the local driver's license. So it's not that voter ID is so hard here, because we just said it, you can get a free fucking ID. They made it for anybody can get a ID so they can vote when they put the law in because of all the crazy voter suppression and killing black people and all this bullshit. It's not voter suppression. It's a fucking law. But the problem with the left is whenever we don't win, and that's probably why these two douches I just read about in Tennessee, they knew the left was not going to win because they're in a state. Join GOP members all over the fucking world. Join conservatives like me who voted absentee in Oregon and never had my vote counted. Ever. They only count, I think it's like 1%. You have to be the 1% and then Oregon, and this is a long time ago, so I'm kind of talking out my ass, but I'm pretty sure that's what it was. Election had to be within 1% to even vote absentee ballots. And I was a soldier. That's where I voted. I voted for all, the first election I voted in person was W. Bush against Kerry. It was right before I retired, 2004, right? Yeah. And I was going to become a resident of Tennessee, so I went and changed all my residency and registered here. And then the law came in effect. I had to go back down again with my driver's license, reaffirm my driver's license, get a real driver's license, registration worked out, I was done. That was it. It was really easy. No hair off my head. But these people, since I digress once again into the he's lying, what does it feel like in California for conservative? What does it feel like in New York for conservative? What does it feel like in Michigan for conservative? What does it feel like in Washington State 
New Hampshire. You get butthurt, so you start lying. We're going to see how this stupid piece of shit who thinks illegal should be voting, who won't concede when she's down 30,000 votes. All the media and the left wants to do is say, oh, it's rigged, because we didn't get our way. That's why they're, this is why the media is talking about fucking popular vote. We don't operate by popular vote. The popular vote is, I get more than the state law, which is most half a percent, votes than some other douche nozzle, and I win in a midterm. I get more than whatever it is for president. I win the electoral votes. I can't help you if you don't understand the government you're trying to control. And I think that's the most uh, jarring thing about all this. These are the people who go on TV every day and tell you they need to run the government. Conservatives don't want to run anything. There's article after article about how the guy down against her, Kemp, running for governor, and the Republican that's already there, these motherfuckers don't know how to run the state. Tennessee, because they started knowing that Bredesen was going to lose, and I don't remember the fuckhead's name, um, for Senate, they're going to lose, or governor, excuse me, they're going to lose, so it's the state isn't doing this. The election commission sucks. It's voter suppression. It's this. It's that. No, you are an idiot. Your sole platform is you know how to run the government better. You know better than me. You know better than everybody on the fucking planet. I am going to take care of you from fucking crib to grave. Yet you don't know how our government works. And the popular vote means jack squat. I feel better. Here's our pre-election tomfoolery. It's long. But tell me, anywhere in this, is there journalism or activism? Anywhere is this, we want the American people to vote for their candidates or motherfuckers, you better vote, vote blue. Former President Barack Obama, who has campaigned extensively during this midterm election, was out working to turn up the turnout. The character of this country is on the ballot. Who we are is on the ballot. Voters seem to know it. A CBS News battleground tracker poll finds 93% of them in both parties say their vote tomorrow matters just as much or more as in a presidential election. Republican Brian Kemp roiled this tightly contested race with his call for the FBI to investigate his hacking charge against the state's Democratic Party. Kemp, currently Georgia's Secretary of State who oversees elections, offered no supporting evidence and denied the charge was a last-minute campaign ploy. Urged by party leaders to focus on what they think is his strongest selling point, President Trump is now talking up jobs and the economy. But the core of the president's closing argument is not hope, it's fear dark warnings about illegal immigration. There's no evidence Democrats have anything to do with the caravans of migrants fleeing violence and poverty, and they are more than 600 miles from the border. If she wins tomorrow, Democrats everywhere will be studying her campaign because Abrams has been preaching to the progressive choir, talking gun control and subsidized health care, not at all trying to convince hard conservatives. And she has no worries bringing in out-of-towners like Oprah Winfrey... 
to knock on doors. Kemp is ignoring repeated calls for him to resign from his day job as Secretary of State, where he supervises state elections. Over the weekend, Kemp, in his official role, launched an investigation into state Democrats, accusing them of attempting to hack into state voter registrations without any evidence. I'm not worried about how it looks. I'm doing my job. He is abusing his power. He is both the candidate, he is the elector, and he's the, he's the guardian of the system. That is wrong. Abrams says Kemp's office is still sitting on thousands of registrations from minority voters. Tonight, a bitter battle to the finish. Voters with a clear choice to either celebrate or reject the Trump agenda. Just Tonight, Tallahassee Mayor Andrew Gillum is hoping to become Florida's first Democratic governor in 24 years. A true progressive, endorsed by former President Obama and Bernie Sanders, Gillum would also be the first black governor in state history. Thank you. His opponent, Republican Congressman Ron DeSantis, handpicked by President Trump early on. Seen in this campaign ad using toy blocks to build Trump's wall with his daughter. Build the wall. David, President Trump won Missouri by 19 points. And now Democrat Claire McCaskill is fighting tooth and nail here to hang on to her Senate seat. The two-term senator's message to voters here in Trump country? She's not one of those, quote, crazy Democrats and on issues like immigration will work with the president. Barack Obama today driving home the Democrats' closing message. Health care is on the ballot. You vote, you might save a life. A horse Joe Biden Sunday. They oppose mandating insurance companies cover pre-existing conditions. It's Nancy Pelosi's final marching orders in a letter to House Democrats today, writing, health care is the key factor in voters' decisions. The stakes are huge. If Democrats win the House, they gain control of committees and subpoena power, the ability to investigate President Trump. So they've recruited a new wave of candidates targeting Republican districts, at least 48 women and 19 veterans trying to turn red seats blue, like Navy veteran Mikey Sherrill. Many people are concerned about some of the actions of the president, but I think they're also really concerned about how they're going to pay for their education, what the future of the, the economy looks like. In fact, for the first time, Democrats are outspending Republicans in these key competitive races. Why should those voters who agree with his agenda vote for you on Election Day? Well, I vote for issues that the president agrees on when they're right for Arizona, and I vote against the issues that he supports when they're wrong for Arizona. After weeks of facing accusations of voter suppression, now Republican Secretary of State Brian Kemp, who's also running for governor, has fired off a bold accusation of his own asking the FBI to investigate Georgia's Democratic Party for what he says was an attempted hack of the state's voter registration system. Kemp has offered no evidence publicly to back it up and has rejected calls he should resign. You don't believe the news? You don't believe the mainstream media? No, I don't. Why? When, what is it, 90-something percent is negative toward Trump? What do you think? Most of the coverage for any would, for any politician is negative because it's not our job to be a PR person for you for any but politician. It's your job to tell the truth. Exactly. To, to, but if you if, think if the if truth you, is if, negative, that's not our fault. You know, if you if you're leaning ninety percent one way, how can it be the truth? It can't be. I can almost feel a lot of you snickering at home, snickering at those two Trump supporters, but I will tell you it is not just Trump supporters who retreat into their own echo chambers. Every time I have a Republican on the show, I get a flood of angry tweets. How dare you put on a Republican? They're all liars. MSNBC is my safe space, someone said on Twitter. 
public service announcement. We are not your safe space. We are a news organization. We bring you the news. News comes from both sides. Opinions, even if you hate them, come from both sides. Yes, a journalist's job is to find facts, but it is also our job to shed a light on what is happening in the country, what is happening in our communities. Shed a light on what people are saying and thinking, what motivates them, even if you disagree with them. The news should make you uncomfortable. The rhetoric of this racist, heartless, soulless man will lead to more violence. Yes, I said that, and a lot of Americans believe it too. They see what is happening to our country. This is a so-called leader with no shame. He doesn't care. He's got no sense of decency, no sense of duty, and no limits. And this is important for everyone to understand. No limits of what he's capable of doing to stave off any humiliation for himself. The humiliation that his desperate actions suggest is that he knows what's coming next Tuesday. It could be bad for him. There could be subpoena power. There could be impeachment. He knows he's on the line, and he will do anything to save himself. The question is, what are we going to do? What are Democrats and Republicans going to do? Because if they want to check on this man, if you want a slight check on this man and his unrelenting race to the finish here to make sure he can continue destroying this country, you might want to vote all D even if it's not your party this time around. It might be worth it. I think, you know, this president, one of the things that he really launched his presidential run on is talking about Islamic radicalization. And this president has radicalized so many more people than ISIS ever did. I mean, the way he talks, the way he, the way he... That is, that's just... It's, it's the way he talks, the way the way that he uh, allows these people, the way he winks and nods to these groups, the way he says, I know I'm not supposed to say it, but I'm a nationalist, the way that he hems and haws when he has to mm -hmm. uh, condemn these people and kind of th gritting his teeth kind of says, fine, OK, I condemn this. But then, you know, and Jake, all his for you not to push back on that, you're about to push back on but, but to bring That's it, but for her to say that the president of the United States has radicalized more people than ISIS is irresponsible. Yeah, okay, not, you disagree with them I'm bringing you irresponsible. Irresponsible because it's not true. It's fact not true. You can based upon what? How many how many how many camps have you gone into and interrogated ISIS folks? Have you do you know? ISIS, what do you base that upon? What do you base ISIS it upon? ISIS had a, like 10,000 members. I think the president has far more supporters who espouse an equally hateful ideology Julia, than humanizing other people. It's Simone, listen, and Jake you raised this on TV the other day. You raised this yesterday. When Louis Farrakhan sat next to Bill Clinton the other day, where was the outrage? Where was the outrage in the Jewish Bill community? Is not Where's the, the outrage? I don't understand. What, I, hold on, hold on, hold up now. Sure. What does Louis Farrakhan have to do with me? No, no, this is craziness. No, I'm not talking we about you. To, I'm not talking about you, Simone. I'm talking about the Democratic I really, Party. I really believe that I'm we should be able to have a, I really believe that we should be able to have a conversation and get to the issue. And the root of the issue is that the President of the United States has aligned himself with white nationalists, with the national. He called himself a nationalist. I'm just. You know he has aligned himself with neo-Nazis. First, we have a little house cleaning because for you, the Republican National Committee is jumping on your comments. You earlier in the show said that Donald Trump has radicalized more people than ISIS has. Uh, David and Mona uh, disagreed with you strongly. Is something you wanted to clarify? What I do want to clarify. I think I spoke in the heat of the moment. This has been a very emotional and personally painful time for me. I think I exaggerated, and I apologize for that. But what I, the point I was trying ham-fistedly to make is that there, it's not a coincidence that, uh, according to the ADL, the number of anti-Semitic attacks has jumped by 
nearly 60% in the first year that Donald Trump was in office. And it's no coincidence because even though the main danger is homegrown right-wing extremists, as many studies have pointed out, this administration has methodically shifted resources away from monitoring those people, away from trying to control those people and keep them from committing violence. But I do apologize for that heated rhetoric. Okay. It was counter, let's just say, not factual. Forty percent of the country has opted into an alternate reality. We have to wake up in this country and understand the danger that this presents to all of us. We can't put our heads in the sand. Kellyanne Conway despicably today goes on national television and she said, well, this shooter's motives were because there's an anti-religious sentiment. No, ma'am. The propaganda industry that she commands with the vile president that she serves, abetted by Mark Levin and Rush Limbaugh and Breitbart and Newsbusters and Judicial Watch and all the rest of them have blood on their hands for the incitements that they have made that have triggered and radicalized these crazy people. It is deliberate in intent. He scapegoats minority populations. He alleges conspiracies. He creates a sense of shared and virtuous victimhood, positions himself as the avenger, and there is no cost too high yeah. so long as it benefits his narcissism, so long as it benefits him. A midterm messaging we'll start with from the president. So he seems to be zeroing in on the two pillars of the media, continuing his vitriolic mm -hmm. attacks against the media, and migrants. Mm -hmm continuing to, in fact, ratchet up the language about them. Dis and, and frankly, I mean, I have to say it, using some of the same language that the mass murderer at the synagogue used in terms of invaders and invasion. These tragedies work at cross purposes with right. his narrative. Right. So it's hard for him to celebrate his narrative mm -hmm. of vilifying migrants when, again, the alleged mass murderer did the same thing. Our lives, as much as I may have criticisms of how law enforcement operates in this country, they are still our line of defense against maniacs and terrorists out there. Uh, but but I, I have to say, Nicole, and this has always been a problem with this president, he has always shown a sympathy or a dismissiveness towards terrorism. Uh, he is, a, he is a, a terrorist sympathizer. But how surprised should we be? This is at least the fourth mass killing in America using an AR-15 since the Las Vegas massacre just over a year ago. The third mass shooting in a house of worship in the last three years. Across social media, hate speech and anti-Semitism are rampant and on the rise. All against the backdrop of the ugliest political climate in modern times. At the center, an unapologetically incendiary president, untrammeled by traditional norms of civility. In the, in the times we're in, and I think our leaders, and I would put specific responsibility on the president, that he has an obligation to try to rid us of much of this tribalism. And I think what he's done um, over the course of the last few years is help foment this. I'm not saying he's responsible for what happened in Pittsburgh. He's not responsible for what happened uh, with, the, with the bombs that were sent. He's not responsible for what happened with, at the supermarket. But all of those have a commonality. A white national supremacist shot two blacks at a supermarket. 
we need a change. The president's calling for it. People distrust the president. We're not going to get change. That's where we are. That doesn't mean we can hang a mass murder around his neck. So I want the but, rhetoric to be calm, but, but I don't think that the American viewers are looking at President Trump as a murderer. Well, well, we, we all agree. Nobody, we, and no one at this table said, said that. Not one person. What, well, but, what he is responsible us. for, what he is responsible for, is the murder. No, here's what I said, Tom, and I'll repeat it again. He is responsible for fomenting and using rhetoric that causes people to feel like that is normal. Elected Republicans in America from the president on down obviously fear democracy. They fear the will of the voters and so they try to prevent voters from voting. That is their top campaign strategy. Stop democracy. Dodge City, Kansas has 27,000 residents 60% of whom are Hispanic. And now Dodge City has zero places to vote. That is zero polling locations in a city of 27,000 people. Local officials have moved the polling place outside of city limits to a location that is more than a mile from the nearest bus stop. Slate is reporting that the office of the Secretary of State says there is nothing unusual or discriminatory about the relocation of the site. It is unusual that the person in charge of running elections is actually running in the election for governor and losing in Kansas. Today, former Attorney General Eric Holder tweeted, Republicans keeping people away from the polls in North Dakota, Georgia, and now Kansas. They are afraid of the people they claim they want to represent. It feels like we have never seen anything like this. We have never seen it this bad uh, since the early 1960s before the Voting Rights Act. Yeah, Lawrence, look, you are absolutely right. They are terrified of democracy, and they are terrified they're going to lose if they play fairly. This is why we see them purging black, black voters in Georgia. We see them preventing Native American voters from voting in North Dakota. We, see we can put this in the grand historical sweep. For 153 years, ever since the end of the Civil War, it's been the top agenda of racists in the South and elsewhere to try to stop african-americans from voting um, and we've seen it again and again and again now they're a little bit more subtle than they used to be but still what dodge city is doing by not having a single voting place within the town limits not a seat a single voting place that anyone can even walk to or ride a bike to i'm putting it all outside i mean that's about as transparent as it gets what they did in north dakota when they said unless you have a street address you can't vote well, if you're a Native American living on a reservation, and we know the history there, well, you don't always have a street address. So right away, thousands of North uh, uh, of Native American American citizens. The, the voter suppression battle between Stacey Abrams and Brian Kemp predates this election. She has been fighting for voting rights for years, registering people to vote. He has been suppressing votes for a really long time and consistently losing in court. One of the reasons that this state has an exact match law is that they had an exact match rule that got overturned. And so the courts have been pretty consistent in, in ruling against these kind of suppressive tactics, but they keep coming back. And why? We had the mayor of Columbus, Georgia on today who talked about the fact that Georgia is now a majority, really Democratic state when it comes to registration. It's a diverse state. There are a lot of African Americans, Asian Americans, Latinos in this state who would like to vote. Uh, and so you see Brian Kemp looking at those facts on the ground and trying to engineer a wider electorate. It's interesting that you, you played uh, President Obama 
Katie Turner and I were together at that Barack Obama event. She is at a camp event today. Mm -hmm. Alex, it's literally like there are two different countries that are having elections uh, in four day, in three days. The, the Republicans are running a very race-conscious, racial panic election. And you're seeing not just from Donald Trump, but from Republicans in these states, that they're essentially looking right at the white electorate and saying, keep black and brown people out of power. And they're thinking that's a winning argument. It says mm. something about what they think about their own voters. And so it's interesting that you have President Obama come back and remind the country that there was a different vision coming from the White House. That this idea of an inclusive America, of a future America, where you have a multiracial democracy, is still something, is something that used to come mm -hmm, from the pulpit mm -hmm. of the presidency. Trump has just eliminated it. So it'll, it'll be interesting to see which vision prevails uh, on Tuesday. I got to tell you that one that you are referencing. Uh, when I was watching Katie on your show interview that one woman, uh, mouth agape, actually, because it was it was there was such a, a strong racist divide there that she was echoing those sentiments. And, and it was it was rather shocking, I have to say. Um, Heidi it still exists. We had Merle Evers on the show today. Merle Evers came there. Obviously, the widow of Medgar mm -hmm. Evers endorsed Stacey Abrams. This is a civil rights election. John Lewis is following the Stacey Abrams campaign around. This is literally a replay of the 1950s and 60s in modern times. Those racial codes are still here. Unfortunately, they haven't gone away, and those people still vote. I'm not even unpacking that. That's just going to stay packed up in a suitcase, and I hope to God I never see it again. It's like Christmas ornaments you don't want. You just throw them in the box with all the lines. You know, the, the fucking Christmas bulbs are all rat-fucked, and you, nah, fuck that shit. Put it in the corner. That's that soundbite. They were so invested to get Trump and those evil racist GOP people. MSDNC actually accidentally shows false results of tomorrow's election that had not happened in Florida showing socialist Gillum in a slight lead against Ron DeSantis. Then they said, oh, earlier, uh, this is uh, Chris Hayes, we showed a graphic Florida controller race, my... Caught my eye uh, because our system inadvertently populated some test numbers. No, you were hoping. Yeah, DeSantis. Yeah, one. Sorry about that. If CNN was even trying to hide its bias before by rolling out a fact-first branding, the network has completely given up on its being objective. A Twitchy reported, CNN's breaking news chirons are breaking news at all. They're mini editorials against Trump. Here's one after a suspicious package was sent to CNN. Trump has no plans to claim any personal responsibility for citing the bomber. But that's nothing compared to Wolf Blitzer and Jim Acosta. CNN poll, 7 in 10 say vote meant to send message to Trump as president uses fear and falsehoods to send his own message. That clearly seems to be wrong because uh, you couldn't get anybody on TV to say that. We have a soundbite. It's really good in the, the post-election. Really good. Benny, just a totally unbiased news network, a totally unbiased newsman above a completely unbiased Chiron. Nothing to see here. CNN's not propaganda. Not at all. No. CNN opinion. Given the tight interweaving of economics and political power and sexual entitlement, female sexual, sexual autonomy has never been more urgent and women's sexual pleasure has never been more political, writes Wednesday Martin. That was before. Katie Turner lectures conservative Christians for Trump Trump border policy more offensive than abortion. Hollywood did a whole skit on the same concept. I'm not playing anymore, Hollywood. I'm, I'm just not. You guys lost. Shut up. Everybody you want lost. <laughs> 
Just shut up. New York Times. Lost to talk about Democratic blue wave against President Trump Republican is the fact that for many Americans, daily life is good and economy is working. Yeah, it's working. They're not happy with it. As David Gregory did all this morning, three fucking times. Well, there could be a recession. I'm not wishing for it, but there's a recession. I'm not wishing for it, which is code for, oh, God, please, 2019, let the markets crash. We need that. Also lost, nobody needs to know, is the Beto O'Rourke campaign illegally spending spending funds to help a legal alien caravan? Well, there's video. I think that's a yes. It's happening. I just hope nobody that's the wrong person finds out about this. For me, I can ignore the rules and I'll f- I don't mind breaking the rules and I can defend any position. Yeah, I was going to use the vans too. So we might, we could probably use that. Can we use the vans? Yeah. Uh, we're, I'm thinking of like, we're going to use that to give some of those immigrants rides to like the airport, to the bus station. Why not? You know? Yeah. I'm done being nice. I'm done being professional. Because yeah. <laughs> nothing is professional. None of this is like shit that there's a rule. Yeah, like, like you know? don't ever repeat this one's bad, but like, mm-hmm. if we just say we're buying food for some event, like the Halloween events, because there's block walks coming up for Halloween. Have you been able to go and like um, help out anymore with the other mm-hmm. people? Mm-hmm. I did yesterday. Um, Tonight we get more, so it's, I don't know how that's going to go. Tonight you get more? There's more people coming. More people coming? Oh, wow. Yeah. There's four, three, two hundred more. Just so like, Jody knows that, like, we use. Well, she doesn't know that you, we use the, the the prepaid card, but it's okay. It's gonna, <laughs> she it's gonna doesn't be, need to. Yeah, she doesn't need to. If you're caught in, like, some sort of, like, you know, violation, that's, like, a $50,000 fine. Yeah. And yeah. like, oh, you got caught with this for fifty thousand dollars, you know? I'll tolerate stuff. The thing is that she's spiraling. Yeah, as long as we're not advertising it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't really know. Those are cat cat questions. They said it was fine. I mean, yeah. Oh my god. I told you. Yeah. I have the message to prove it. Yeah. So you told like Jody or? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I told Jody and I told my director. I know that we're using the some of the campaign resources to help with the migrants and like I just didn't want anyone to get in trouble with that. Like I didn't want them to ask me any questions about people using resources. I'm going to show you this. Don't worry. This. Don't worry. This is Great distance between like me organizing rides and the campaign. I'm turning my attention to the Lone Star State Congressman Beto O'Rourke, a rising Democratic star. The kind of bitterness and name calling partisanship that has unfortunately defined so much of the national conversation. You can add more to it, or, or you can stay focused on on the future and why you did this in the first place. Yeah. We're not allowed to organize rides, and that's a huge like legal liability. Yeah, so they wouldn't let us do that. Like, and so I just went around and recorded this other email. Like, is there a document? Can you get a driver's license? Yeah. I'm done being nice. I'm done 
being professional. I'm James O'Keefe here in El Paso, Texas on the Mexico-United States border. Our latest investigation is on Beta O'Rourke and this one is a blockbuster. These videos you're about to see appear to show Beto's campaign workers and staff all the way up to his campaign manager, Jody Casey, knowingly using campaign resources and funds to help assist subsidize illegal aliens entering the United States, some of them from the migrant caravan. Now, a lot of serious legal issues in this video, Section 1001 violations, FEC violations, a lot of serious questions that need to be answered. The voters of Texas are going to want those answers from Beto O'Rourke. Check this out. What's happening? What's happening? So there's like a, you know, that migrant caravan. They just, a few of them got here already and they're dropping them off like really close to Missouri. Who? Um, oh, that, the Hondurans? Oh, the Hondurans, yeah. yeah. Um, it's a holy thing, holy something church, but it's actually really close here to downtown, okay. like you said. So she's going to text me the address. Um, I'm going to go get some food right now. Like, there's some stuff to the shop off because they need food and blankets. So, you know, anybody that has like blankets and shit. Um, we got permission to give them some of these waters, so we're going to take some of these waters too. Dominique Chacon is a field manager for the Beto O'Rourke Senate campaign in the campaign's headquarters in El Paso. He got the tip about the migrants and marshaled the campaign staff to act. Whether or not it was legal did not seem to concern him. I, I didn't How say, did they get through? I, well, I think they accepted them like, as asylum seekers and. So the way they do it is like there's like these certain organization and churches that they allow these migrants to stay in until they get like a court date and then their attorneys and then uh, show up to court. Um, so I think that's where there's that's what we got word that they're sending in there. Um, so I'm gonna go get some groceries and some blankets. Want to come with? Yeah, sure. Yeah. You know anybody who wants to, mm. or you want to spread out the word, just be like, hey, we need blankets, we need um food and. Um, I apparently some of the kids are sick too, so they're trying to get some doctors and things to send. Don't ever repeat this one's bad, but like, mm -hmm. if we just say we're buying food for some event, like the Halloween events, because there's block walks coming up for Halloween. That's a horrible idea, but I didn't hear anything. Um, let's see, we can wait until tomorrow for that, but like, we could definitely say like, hey, this is all set for that, like, it's like food, you know. Like well, because that's exactly the food we need. Mm -hmm. And I will just mark it as we have, I do have over a dozen block walkers. That's Anna Paula Thiemann, a field organizer for the O'Rourke campaign. Our attorney reviewed the video. Here is his professional assessment of Thiemann and the others lying about how campaign money would be spent. Quote, the material Project Veritas Action Fund captured shows campaign workers covering up the true nature of spending of campaign funds and intentionally misreporting them. This violates the FEC's rules against personal use and misreporting. It also violates Section 1001, making a false statement to the federal government. The FEC violations impose civil penalties, including fines of up to $10,000 or 200% of the funds involved. Violations of Section 1001 are criminal and include imprisonment of up to five years. I would also think they want, like, rice and beans or things like that. Well, um, for... Like, maybe some, like, fruits. 
Those little fruit cups. There's actually, there's actually stores that that market as just food, you know, market and they sell food and Types. All the things with all the receipts, the market just based off of that. Mm -hmm. So you don't know what kind of food it is. Mm -hmm. I think we can use Apple's cards to buy some food and buy different couple bars. Oh, yeah. All that shit that can be totally massive. Like, oh no, we still like a healthy breakfast and shit like that. Like, milk or like. Do you have any bubble stuff on you? Am I wearing it? Uh, my shirt. Okay, that's fine. Just don't want to I oh, and I've got a button. I'll take the button off. Yeah, I mean, I don't think they... I mean, I've got a jacket on. Yeah, they don't, so. I don't think they'll, like, associate right away. Yeah. You know, it's just... I don't want it to make it seem like all of us are from there. So right. it's like... Thiemann did the shopping with our journalist and then went to deliver the goods to the migrants. Hey Tom, I think um, we saw Jody. Hey. Was Jody there? Yeah, she just left for now. Yeah, I think there. Were... I just left too. Theman is talking about Jody Casey, the campaign manager for Beta O'Rourke. We wondered how much Jody Casey knew about what was going on. So we brought like one of the pallets of water down there. Yeah, we was taking some more waters there. Um, who authorizes that, Heather? Or huh? Who authorizes that, Heather? Or Jody. Jody. Jody, yeah. I mean, Heather could, but it just went to Jody right away. Yeah. What did Jody think about the whole thing? She texted us afterwards. She was like, I'm so happy that we have a staff that, you know, gets it and is, was there. I was so happy to see all you all there and still working, still contributing. You know, we have the best, best team ever. Um, she thanked us for that. And I was like, well, thank you for letting us, you know, use these resources, you know, and just get this stuff done. Um, but yeah, she was, she was, she was good about it. Because like, so Jody knows that, like, we use. Well, she doesn't know that you, we use the, the, the prepaid card, but it's okay. It's gonna be, she doesn't be, need to know. Yeah, she doesn't need to <laughs> some, some things are better left inside. Did you guys get a lot of stuff? We had two full cards. <laughs> I gotta I mean, they were full. That's awesome. <laughs> It looked like, um, do you remember that you see that game show, Supermarket Sweep? <laughs> where you're like, we're like, we're grabbing like all the cans of tuna. Oh, hilarious. Like tubs of Gatorade. And then we're like, okay, let's get, we're like, we can get away, we'll probably get away with baby wipes too. Yeah. And say that it's just, you know, hot people are sweating. You needed it, you can't clean their hands. Yeah. yeah. I love it. I love it. Yeah. I was going to use the vans too. So we might, we could probably use that. Can we use the vans? Yeah. Um, but like I was telling her, I was like, <laughs> nobody needs to know. Nobody needs to know. It certainly sounds like the plan is to use the various campaign resources to help the Honduran aliens and hope no one finds out. Well, that's why it's like, you know, being able to just ignore the rules. It's Exactly, like, exactly. But it's also like, I just, like, for me, I can ignore the rules and I'll I don't mind breaking the rules, and I can defend any position I can defend. I mean, like you said, you've already used the campaign. <laughs> what else? Yeah. We're, already, we're already at that point. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, if you can use the vans to help transport people. Yeah, I see. Yeah, I can do that for sure. 
Andreo's going to, but she's such a nice 25. I was like, just freaking use it. Just don't just wreck it, you know? <laughs> just don't wreck it and don't, <laughs> don't say anything. Yeah, I'm going to open the bag. We're going to make it happen. I'm like, I'm done. I'm just like, I'm running full speed now, you know? Just getting it done. Is there anything like, like I know we're trying to like put some layers of, is that? I mean, as long as they don't get in an accident, which I really hope that they don't. Because, I mean, yeah, because I was like, if they're undocumented, they... Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. I know I'm, it has to have to be like 25, too, so I'll, there's only two mm -hmm. of them that I think are 25 right now. All the other ones are like 21, But like, is there a documented... Can you get a driver's license? Yeah. Oh, you can get a driver's license, license. license. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. oh, okay. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, that's pretty much all you can do, you know? Um, oh, okay. At least, like, if you're like the path to citizenship or something like sometimes we'll do that mm -hmm. uh, but i'm not really too sure what the process is uh, but yeah we're i'm thinking of like we're going to use that to give some of those immigrants rides to like the airport to the bus station why not you know? yeah exactly um and yeah we're going to use some more of those cards to get more supplies too so it's going to work out i'm done i'm done being nice i'm done being professional because yeah. <laughs> nothing is professional none of this is like yeah, like, we asked again whose money was being spent on the migrants. I hope you're not using all your money to get all those medical supplies and shit. Some of them, some of them, but I went to the Sony Dollar and they actually had like, uh, like these for two dollars and then they were fifty percent off. So I got a shit ton of those. Mm -hmm. and I mean, and hygiene products too that are like individually packaged. Okay. And turned out came out to fifty cents. I was like, oh shit, yeah, like, mm -hmm. especially when they're on the go, you know. So I got them a few of those and. Oh, yeah. Just use the prepaid card for the rest. Or? Yeah. Like for food and stuff like that, we can get that mm -hmm. for sure, yeah. I'm going to use those. Andrea Reyes is a field manager for the Beta O'Rourke Senate campaign. I know Ana Paula was worried about, like, helping with the stuff using the prepaid cards. Yeah. So she'll just... She'll be fine. We'll be... I already got approval from our directors. You got approval from who? Our directors. Okay. Like, our field directors. Um, it, should, it shouldn't be an issue. The only thing is that we need to make sure that we spend it on, like, food. Right. Um, and nothing, like material really like nothing like clothes or anything right. like that but food is fine food is fine yeah and the reason for it is like or the way that I planted it was that the more that we're able to help the centers the more volunteers we'll be able to have here because our volunteers are leaving to help the centers so. yeah they were like, yeah, that's a good way. Well, <laughs> well, and yeah, as long as they, they think that the food is for them. But yeah, even then, like, so yesterday, um, Bridget Smith, which is one of our public donors, her mom passed, and so I asked them if they could just send, like, condolences, flowers, and stuff. We're using the papers, and they're like, yeah, like, it's anything, we can use them on anything that boosts morale, essentially. Mm -hmm. It's our day done. So. And just at this point, I'm just like, Alright? Yeah. I mean, buy stuff for alcohol. Except for what? Alcohol. We can oh, buy yeah. alcohol. Yeah. For drugs, but. What? <laughs> yeah. That's fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, I don't think I'll ever spend it on stuff like that. That's so cool, though. Yeah, because like, I know that she's worried about like, how to fill it out on the form just yeah. so that you don't get in trouble with the yeah. FEC. I'll, ta I'll tell her and stuff. The thing is that. Yeah, as long as we're not advertising it. 
I told you yeah. about it. Yeah. I have the messages to prove it. So. Yeah. So you told like Jody or? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I told Jody and I told my director. When you listen to these O'Rourke campaign workers talk about the border and immigration, it becomes easier to understand why they are willing to break laws to achieve their aims. This is like the, the point where they come across, you know, and we're like the largest city on the border next to San Diego, you know? Yeah, we should just like, like you said, borders, we should just not even... Something even exists, you know? Mm-hmm. This whole idea of like, you're a citizen, you're not a citizen. Right? It is so absurd. No one is illegal on this planet. So when you're using the prepaid cards, like what you just put it down is when you fill out the forms. Uh, the prepaid? Mm -hmm. You just submit the receipts. You just submit the receipts. Yeah, you have to like take a picture of it, submit it through a Google Doc and report you mm -hmm. what the expenses were and stuff, you know? And then who, like, because that all has to go to the FEC, doesn't it? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, like, the, all the prepaid cards you can call and like, see where you were spent and like see mm -hmm. anything you know so I think that just, they want us to be the ones to um, submit the receipts just to make it easier but yeah and then justify like what these costs were used for you know the language are netting votes yeah exactly do you think Jody knows what's going on and just is kind of like I think yeah I think she knows, and it's just, like, it's so hard to, like, what can you do, you know, like, what can we do in this situation, you know? Yeah. Like, other than give supplies that we can, you know, and to support those that are doing that, that work. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I don't know. I mean, um, she has to know that, like, not all the food is coming. Well, She's yeah. here. Oh, yeah, yeah. For sure, yeah. I mean... Yeah. The prepaid cards. I mean, she's not dumb. She. <laughs> <like. Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> the group of volunteers ate two hundred dollars worth of food yesterday. <laughs> yeah, it's been a lot of people. Like I said, I think, you know, especially after you told me how she reacted when you told her about the kids and that she sent, like, her own kids' pediatrician, yeah. I think she knows. I think she does, too. I mean, I think she, like, I don't think she knows. I think she, she finds out she won't be like, well, okay, well, as long as we can get by with, like, sending somebody let them in, right? When you guys submit that Google Doc, who does do all, like, the approving or whatever? For payment? Is that? Yeah. Um, there's not really like an approval process they've given us to sort of freedom, but just it's like more of the accountability thing. Okay, it's just like an accountability. Yeah, so I think we can spend it on food and just like come up with like a BS excuse as to why we needed to get this stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. <sighs> that's good that like Jody's willing to kind of... Along with that, yeah. Yeah, under the table, you know, sort of like do sh Well, and I mean, as like the field manager, like you would totally... Like if an FO wanted to go and get, get supplies or whatever. Oh, yeah. I don't know anything. 
Um, but that's the thing too. Like I find like as a male, some of the best ways I can weaponize my privilege is to play dumb, honestly. <laughs> because I feel like people expect that of guys, you know? Yeah. I feel like Jody's kind of doing like the same thing, mm-hmm. like weaponizing her white yeah. woman. Privilege, yeah, exactly. But like with the cards, like I think we can definitely use some more to get more money. But it's gotta be like with like just regular, you know, if we buy like a thousand dollars worth of shit or kind of waiting. That's what I mean. Like if each fo yeah, goes and like buys like you know the little things here and there the groceries mm-hmm. and maybe just like some first aid kits you know and the, the guys are like oh we should take the you know it'll definitely like work like the women are like oh let me get some yeah. feminine hygiene products for volunteers like, exactly <laughs> yeah that's why like I, I've with my own money I've been focusing on buying like blankets and mm-hmm. you know stuff that stuff you can't that, yeah that I feel like would be hard to pass mm-hmm. um, only because I know like if like the FEC regulations, you know, you have to spend the money mm-hmm. to net votes and for the campaign. And um, if you're caught in, like, some sort of, like, you know, violation, that's, like, a $50,000 fine. Damn. Uh, yeah. And yeah. like, oh, you got caught with this, it's a $50,000, you know? And it mm-hmm. happens more than once, it's a lot of money, you know? So, I don't know. It's like, even with like the student fellows, like I, I mm-hmm. feel like sometimes when we when we are going rogue, we have to do things under the carpet. Mm-hmm. It's better to sit down and have those individual conversations. Like this is what's going to happen. Make sure it doesn't get up this way. Mm-hmm. If you're asked about it, you bought food for your 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 pop ups, you know. And if it ever escalates to like, oh, you know, this is the wrong drug. Oh, you know, talk to Dominic. He's the one who, who you know. Mm-hmm. But it's, and it's good that, like, you know, like I said, because there's no way, I felt like with how much supplies were brought in mm-hmm. by everybody, there's no way that Jody couldn't. Jody couldn't? Couldn't have known. Oh, yeah. I think so. As the campaign learned of more immigrants, it seems the decision again was to illegally spend more campaign funds. Have you been able to go and, like, um, help out anymore with the other people? Mm-hmm. I did yesterday. Um, tonight we get more, so it's, I don't know how that's going to go. Tonight you get more? There's more people coming. More people coming? Oh, no. Yeah. There's four, three, two and more. Are you going to go to the store again? Yeah, well, I have, um, three quote-unquote events tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to prepare for that. We should get food, right? Yeah. As much food as you can, even for the Now, earlier this morning, our journalist actually followed up with Jody Casey, campaign manager for Beta O'Rourke, and asked her about this illegal use of campaign funds and money for the migrants. We think Jody's reaction is illuminating. It just made me really concerned, like, you know, because I know that we're using the, some of the campaign resources to help with the migrants and like I just didn't want anyone to get in trouble with that like I didn't want them to ask me any questions about people using resources now we want to be perfectly clear helping immigrants who are in this country legally is not a bad thing and it is possible it's possible conceivable that some of the immigrants featured in this story were here legally charity is not a bad thing. We support charity at Project Veritas Action. But you cannot break the law to do it. And that is a different matter. 
We have serious Section 1001 violations here and potential FEC violations. And if it's true that some of these immigrants were here illegally in this country and the Beto O'Rourke campaign helped those people using campaign resources, then Beto O'Rourke must respond before Election Day on Tuesday. Reporting from the Mexican-American border in El Paso, Texas, this is James O'Keefe with Project Veritas Action. I know it's long, but there it is. It's not the only one we have this show either. It's it's This is how Democrats win. But I said that last show. Said it. The money is coming from Soros and people to get those people to come during the midterm to make an issue. They need issues. Kavanaugh failed for them. So now they got to have him being a racist. They have all the media. Well, that's a racist video. Even Fox buckled. How is it racist pointing out there's criminals in a fucking caravan full of illegal aliens who are coming here to go across the border regardless of what the fuck we say? How's that racist? I know because you don't have policies. David Lazarus. Polls consistently show the more educated you are, the more likely you vote Democrat. If I was a Republican politician, I'd really pause to consider that. Once again, you fucking ignorant people. You're so fucking stupid. MSDNC crew went to go take a shot somewhere, parked their van in a handicap, an Air Force vet comes up and goes, what the fuck? Later they apologized. Did MSDNC report that? Fuck to the big no. No. Anna Navarro during heated CNN panel. Trump is a racist pig. Cuomo didn't correct it, nor did he correct this. So I think, um, but I, I, I love the spirit of Oprah's speech today, who is yeah. an independent. She's sick of political parties like me. I've been an independent for a long time. Don't, don't, I own my own mind and my own vote, and don't tell me who to vote for. I vote. Um, by the way, I just voted. I, just, I, I did it because we're going to be Tuesday night in D.C. Mm-hmm. Sent in my ballot yesterday. So anyway, I think, uh, I think Oprah can help, but it's going to be the people behind the scenes who actually, those people who are working on the well, ground. I think that's day. very true. At the end of the day, it's can somebody spark what mm-hmm. is in your head and heart and make you act or make yourself want to act? Uh, right. She did have something, though, that I haven't seen from Democrats right now. Uh, I don't care what she was talking about, how she was couching it, whether she was playing it aggressive or safe. She was coming with equal passion, but not with equal animus. Right. And that is a potent combination. Yeah. Well, I think it's genius. It is a lesson, I think, in how one should conduct themselves all the time, but especially in, if you're in the political arena. Uh, the way she conducted herself today, I thought, was fantastic right on. I mean, you come on, Oprah's a pro. An independent? Are you fucking stoned? An African-American gay guy? You can't be independent. The Democrats won't let you. Which brings us to this lump of fucking millennial fucking retardation on a level. You know, it's Saturday Night Live. What the fuck can you do? As we said, the midterm elections are next week. Here with his first impressions of some of the candidates is Pete Davidson. Hey, Chad. Um, 
So the midterm elections are obviously a huge deal. Mm -hmm. uh, and after I had to move back in my mom, I started paying attention to that. Um, she's loving it. Uh, and I realized there are some really gross people running for office this year. So here are my first impressions. Uh, this guy's fun. Uh, Rick Scott from Florida. Uh, he looks like someone tried to whittle Bruce Willis out of a penis. <laughs> a New York guy, uh, Peter King. Uh, I actually don't know a lot about him, except he looks like if a cigar came to life. Uh, this guy's kind of cool. Uh, Dan Crenshaw. Uh, oh, come on, man. Yo, hold on. Uh, you may be surprised to hear he's a congressional candidate from Texas and not a hitman in a porno movie. <laughs> I'm sorry, I know he lost his eye in, in war or whatever. <laughs> whatever. Yeah. All right, well, here, here's a Democrat, so I look fair. Uh, give me that, like, Cuomo guy. There he is. All right. Yeah, Cuomo. Uh, he looks like a guy that's sleeping with your mom, but stays overnight and eats breakfast with you in his boxers. <laughs> and, then, and then he asks you how the baseball's going, and you say, you don't play baseball. And he goes, oh, queer. <laughs> That is, that is very specific. That's just the vibe I'm getting. No, I see. Oh. Yeah, I see. Uh, here's someone who really gives me the creeps. Uh, Indiana congressional candidate and Mike Pence's brother, uh, Greg Pence. Uh, this is a picture of him watching the episode of This Is Us, where Jack dies. Uh, <laughs> just so you know, he's actually running as a faith-based conservative. <laughs> He's running as a... He's running as a... What? You never messed up at work before? Uh, yeah. As a faith-based conservative and not a Ken doll that spent a year in a river. Yeah, still landed. Oh, there you go. Still work. work. Still work. Uh, and don't get me wrong, look, uh, I'm not insane. I know I shouldn't be making fun of how anyone looks. Uh, I look like I make vape juice in a bathtub. I look like a Dr. Seuss character went to prison. <laughs> and the last thing I will say is, I know some of you are curious about the breakup, but the truth is, it's nobody's business, and sometimes things just don't work out, and that's okay. She's a wonderful, strong person, and I genuinely wish her all the happiness in the world. Now, please, go vote on Tuesday. All right? I'm sorry. He lost his eye in war. What? Whatever. Yeah. Sarah Cotter, among the many who disappointed and disgusted by Pete Davidson, earlier she posted a powerful rebuttal SNL and Davidson lame attempt at humor, which it wasn't humorous. Many of you may not know, my husband was blinded in Afghanistan. I have some choice words for SNL and Pete Davidson. Davidson's bad humor brought back this realization. Whether in an airport trying to board a plane with our children, a service dog, or in line at a grocery store, a simple thank you for your service can really make our day. I do the same every time I see a service member or a law enforcement official. Thank you for your service. Five simple words. So if there is anything I'm grateful for is this whole SNL mess. It's a reminder that real heroes are among us every day. Some are right in our own houses. A liberal. For once, I, sure, I am sure I agree with you. I'm a hardcore progressive, but I am deeply patriotic and deeply grateful for what your husband did. Thompson, the guy from Good Burger... 
the only funny guy on the whole show, admits skit-mocking veteran definitely missed the mark. As you know, your castmate Pete Davidson, he caught a fair amount of flack for a comment that he made. After Thompson initially joked that he was not aware of the controversy, Melvin pressed. Did the joke cross the line? Thompson agrees. It seems that, yeah, it definitely seems that. I mean, my father's a veteran, you know, Vietnam, and I personally never necessarily go there. But at the same time, when you miss the mark, you're fending people, so you have a kind of this, like, really be a little more aware, in my opinion. He missed the mark? Yeah. He missed the mark. A Navy SEAL lost his eye? It's all fucking... It's just jokes. And you think the media did the right thing? AP, Texas Republican congressional candidate, tried Saturday Night Live, calling Pete Davidson for poking fun at the eye patch he wears because he was badly wounded serving in Afghanistan as a SEAL. NBC Today, Pete Davidson faces backlash over jokes. CBS, I'm sorry, I know he lost his eye in war or whatever. Pete Davidson criticized the Hill. SNL's Pete Davidson sparks conservative backlash. Conservative. Huh. See, that doesn't fucking surprise me. I could play another soundbite, but I played a lot. But, um, Behar, the view, Whoopi, she knew it was fucking wrong. She didn't go down that road, but not Behar. She defended that shit. Well, what can you joke about anymore? I don't know. What can you joke about? You make the fucking rules, you fucking hag. Every week a new word you can't say if you're not a liberal. If I'm a gay, black, fucking transvestite, I can say what the fuck I want. But as a white person, I don't know what I can say. Don't know. So you tell me, Behar. What can we joke about? It's clearly obvious. Guy loses his fucking eye. Okie dokie. Dick slap that motherfucker. He's a piece of shit. He won, by the way. Sorry about that, or whatever, Pete Davidson. Then you got Alec Baldwin, which, I'll just cut to the chase, didn't lose a show, even though it's got low ratings, they moved it to Saturday night. I mean, this dude's just a fucking walking piece of shit who supports all this shit, and SNL wouldn't even come out and say no. We're not going to work with Baldwin anymore. Uh Uh-uh. They didn't say dick. New York Post, living from New York, it's Alec Braldin, Sweetie Brawl, from Sweaty Balls, yeah, ABC's airing it, NBC, I'm sorry, I got that wrong, NBC has no combat, ABC will air it, threw a punch at a guy over a parking slot. For violent, homophobic, virulent, liberal Alec Baldwin, the law simply does not apply because you or I would have gone to jail, but he got a bench ticket. He just got a ticket for punching somebody. You and I go to jail. Desk appearance for him, which actually brought out women reporters, all progressive, and I was shocked. I was just fucking shocked. Maggie Haberman. Ball was the first person I ever experienced being blocked by on Twitter after he used his account with a hundred of thousands of followers to berate me for writing about a fundraiser he hosted in a way he didn't find satisfactory. Tara Palmieri, 
from ABC. Alec Baldwin also told me, I hope you choked to death when I was assignment stalking his house. Caitlin Collins, he called me a hag when I noted once that he had multiple nannies. Vanessa Santos, Alec Baldwin called his own daughter, who was 11 at the time, a rude, thoughtless little pig. He told her she didn't have the brains or the decency of a human being. Tara Palmieri again. Another day, another photographer attacked by a rageaholic Alec Baldwin. He pushed the guy up against the car and bit him over the hood. And yet, NBC and ABC, nothing wrong with them. Robbie Starbucks sums it up. Yet after threatening women, called his daughter a pig, homophobia and violent assaults, because he's called fuckers fags, elected Democrats love him, and the far left have made him a cultural hero. This is peak TDS. Peak TDS. And he campaigned for people. Was in campaign videos. Nothing. Democrats did not distance himself. So now we go to the big push. It is the evening of the election. Here's our super bias bias sound bites. MSNBC making a guy who lost one. MSDNC interviewing Gillum rally member. Oh, it's his mom, but they don't tell him that. CNN jizzing over Obama campaigning. By the way, none of his people won. Cuomo and Carl playing the emotions of the caravan. The View attacking Geraldo for pointing out the simple fucking truth that, oh, by the way, Obama was never blamed for any shooting. And this is just all the day before the election. Tonight, the rising star of the party takes center stage. You have inspired me. I am here with two rising stars of the Democratic Party. A real rising star. Rising star. Castro, who's considered a rising star in the Democratic Party. Ahead, we'll talk to the rising Democratic star. The rising star in the Democratic Party. Leon Castro joins us at the table. Hello, rising star. This <laughs> woman, Sherry Bustos, a rising star. Sherry Bustos, I do mean it. You are a rising star. She's really gotten kind of a rock star reception. Andrew Gillum, considered a rising star in the Democratic Party. Plus a big poll number for a rising star in the Democratic Party. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who has been the sort of rock star. You may have heard of somebody named Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. With this rock star reception for Democrat Stacey Abrams. Stacey Abrams is this remarkable candidate. You can't go 10 feet without an interruption from a Beto backer. Okay, he appears to be wearing a dress, but does sort of make him look like a rock star. O'Rourke's personality and his refusal to move to the right have made him a progressive icon. That was when he became a national star. You're a rock star. No, no, there's just so many no, great really people are. who are. You can't go anywhere without getting... Hey! hey. hey. We picked her randomly out of the crowd, but at the end of our interview, when I finally asked her name, it sounded strangely familiar. What's your name? My name is Francis Gillum, and I, as a matter of fact, my son is running for... What, a, what an extraordinary moment in a day, uh, just listening to, to both of these presidents. First, obviously, uh, former President Obama. You see him shaking hands with Senator Bill Nelson, hoping to hang on to his Senate seat. Andrew Gillum there, who's lifting hands with, you know, the, the Tallahassee mayor, who's hoping to become the next governor, um, would be the first black governor in the state of Florida. You heard that message, and just before then, we listened to President Trump there standing on the South Lawn uh, with uh, on his way to two rallies himself, West Virginia and Indiana later tonight, obviously stumping for the Republicans in those states. And you could not have two different presidents 
with two different messages and two very different audiences, but uh, they may agree that you have uh, an incredibly, incredibly important uh, election coming up. And before I talk to the three of you ladies, I just want to... Uh, President Trump, one of the things he said uh, earlier today was he was speaking to, to media. Uh, Gloria, I'm going to start with you. He said, a lot of reporters are creating violence by writing fake news. That was the strongest I had really heard from him, creating violence by writing fake news. And I just have to say, Mr. President, you are absolutely wrong. Full stop. Well, you know, Brooke, and, and don't forget, I mean, this is uh, how many days a week I don't know I've lost track of time after a pipe bomber uh, targeted uh, people including the media including CNN uh, because the president has been uh, screaming about fake news and it seems that that is now sort of out of his mind as is the call for civility etc cetera, etc cetera. and we're back to uh, the blame game here and you know I hesitate sometimes to pick up on every thing he throws at us Help me understand, why are Trump folk fighting the idea that their campaign message for the midterms is fear and loathing? It's the truth. Identify enemies threatening to create more carnage, as Trump put it in his inaugural speech, then demonize, like with the migrants. Create a farce that they are an invading force filled with dealers and murderers. Whip up as much xenophobia and conflict as he can. Democrats are evil. Media is the enemy of the people. And again... That is a phrase propagated by Stalin, used by Hitler. The president says he's a nationalist. Again, we know where this comes from. And it's painful, especially to the ears of those who fled and fought the Nazis, like the 11 Jewish people massacred this past weekend. Trump was there in Pittsburgh today. He did the right thing. He showed respect. But he was shown some disrespect precisely for this kind of talk. And apparently... He is okay with all of it. It's so obviously true, this midterm hate campaign, that even state TV had this banner. Look at it. I did not make this up. Democrats emphasize health care and the economy. GOP ramps up culture wars for the midterms. You can't make it up. It's so obvious that even they say it. Okay, you're talking about 10,000, maybe 15,000 active duty U.S. military yeah. to the border, more than we have fighting the Taliban in Afghanistan, more than we have fighting ISIS in Syria. Right. You're really, you're really going to do that? It's very important. We have to have a wall of people, very highly trained people, uh, terrific, dedicated patriots. That's what they are. You have caravans coming up that look a lot larger than it's reported, actually. I mean, I'm pretty good at estimating crowd size, and I will tell you, they look a lot bigger than people would think. What we see is deeply impoverished people fleeing violence, many of them women and children. You're going to send 15,000 active-duty well, U.S. military? mostly men, and it's actually mostly young men, and a lot of rough people, a lot of rough people, John. They're pushing the women right up into the front, not good, and they're pushing the few kids right up to the front. But they're 900 miles away. The, the, the active-duty military, you know the law. I mean, you're the president. They, yep. they, they can't arrest uh, people crossing the border. They well, can't, it depends. They, it depends. They, national, emergency covers, national emergency covers a lot of terror. They can't invade our country. You look at that, it almost looks like an invasion. It really does look like an invasion. caravans they are an invasion? Oh, I think so. I think when you look at some of them, when you look at some of the people within the caravan, yeah, I think it could be considered an invasion of our country. We can't have it. But there has been no formal national emergency declaration, which means those troops can only act in support of Border Patrol, doing things like transporting agents and building tents.
President Trump has made fear of illegal immigrants a key theme of his closing argument for the midterms. And as President Trump makes his final push before Tuesday's election, he's spending all of his time in states he won, campaigning for candidates for Senate and governor. Well, I think we're doing great in the Senate, as you would probably see and say, and I've heard you sort of say it, but we're doing pretty well in the Senate, and I think we're doing pretty well in the House. Uh... You know what I'll say? It's going to be an interesting evening. But he seems to be all but conceding that Democrats are likely to win control of the House. Can you work with them if the Democrats win the House? Well, we'd certainly try. I'm looking to unify. I always like to unify. We will certainly try. They've had a very hard time because they haven't been winning, and we'll see what happens in five days from now. It'll be very exciting, and it's going to be a very close race. They don't talk about the blue wave anymore. It's going to be a very close race. One of the misstatements that I asked him about was his statement that the United States is the only country in the world that has birthright citizenship. In fact, there are more than 30 countries that have birthright citizenship, including Canada. And when I uh, pressed him on that, he said simply, that's what I was told. George? And, and John, the president did seem a lot more confident about the Senate than the House in his talk with you. Are they braced in the White House for a loss in the House, especially, as you pointed out, with the possibility of new investigations coming? Uh, there's no question that they are already preparing for that. And you can see it in the president's schedule, George. The president is going uh, to, to states to uh, campaign for Senate candidates. He's not going to campaign for House candidates. He's going to those Republican states, the states that he won, that have Democrats up for re-election. He's campaigning hard there. He's really not even uh, contesting, pushing hard on the House candidates. Last week, in the wake of bombs being sent to prominent Democrats and CNN, where your daughter works, I understand. Right, she's a okay. producer. So you said this, watch. At the risk of sounding like a far right-wing lunatic, I have to say that I believe that this whole thing was an elaborate hoax. Well, I, I okay. was a right-wing lunatic. Right that, that, yeah, yeah. I apologize for it. It was a brain fart. Uh, I said what I believed at the time. Why? I, Where did, what? You well, know that was total BS, and you know it. But, You're too smart not to know that. Well, I... I, <laughs> I, I hope... I hope you're apologizing to the too smart aspect of what you said. Yeah. Uh, but here's, I'll just give you 10 seconds on my reasoning. I had just spoken to a couple of cops, experts in, in demolition and, and bomb experts, who told me that the devices were not viable. So I said, why, a, a, why would a Trump lover send out fake bombs guaranteed to hurt the president in the wake, uh, in the lead up to the midterms? It just seemed cartoonish so to me. Got, and driving around, who, who thought it would be driving around in a van with uh, Hillary Clinton's picture with a crosshair, Barack Obama's well, we didn't picture. know that before. Uh, we, uh, it just seemed to me too pat. I'm sorry I said it. Good. I never should have opined uh, when I didn't know. I... I absolutely send my sincere apologies to everyone at CNN when my daughter right. works and anyone else who may this was worse than Al Capone's vault by far. <laughs> <laughs> talking about this, this alleged bomb maker um, he had a van plastered with pro-Trump propaganda he videotapes himself at Trump rallies holding signs that say CNN sucks his social media accounts were just chock full of Trump fervor and threats to Trump critics can you honestly say President Trump's words and actions didn't inspire this guy. I, I don't understand why hideous crimes committed during Donald Trump are attributed to Donald Trump. Sandy Hook, the massacre of sixth graders happened when Barack Obama was president. The Pulse nightclub, San oh, Bernardino, wait a second, the, child, the Charleston, South Carolina church massacre. 
Words matter. I believe, Sonny, that words matter. This but I guy think that, had a tricked-out Trump van. But the, crazy people are crazy people. That was no, my no, point. No, 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 crazy no, no. people could do crazy things. They Obama don't need never the said the things words. that Trump says. Not even once, Geraldo. Come on. But, but again, I, I disagree. I disagree. So if, if we, if we start. If, if we start blaming the speech Steve rather than the perpetrator, we lose sight of what's happening. Congressman Scalise was shot by a Bernie Sanders exactly. supporter, and I don't blame Bernie Sanders for that. Bernie never said those things either. But, but, it was a, can I just a make a point? Bernie Sanders supporter. If, if this, if, and the reason you don't blame Bernie is because, A, Bernie never encouraged anybody to go out and beat anybody up or hurt anybody yeah. or do anything. And so I think the difference, Geraldo, at least in my mind, is the consistency of this man's rhetoric, starting with Mexicans are rapists, mm -hmm. starting with, you know, the, you know, uh, Islamic people were jumping up and down as the buildings fell. When you do this consistently, and it's every week, I think there is a difference between what happens on somebody's watch and what happens because you have whipped up folks and they don't they're in their fervor some of the folks some of the folks who may or may not have mental issues you don't want to whip people up because you don't know who you're don't, whipping don't up. his words matter so, uh, so let me, let me I, I, you both you both are making the point. the same very telling point but words do matter therefore you cannot listen to cnn for two minutes without having an attack on the president as being a liar, as being mis misogynistic, as being... They made Stormy Daniels a, a big media Is that an attack or is that the truth? No, my... my <laughs> One you man, wait, let me let me answer. One man's truth is another man's attack. And you... you no, no, no. You facts pick up the facts. Washington Post... Facts facts facts. So before we go into our post-election media euphoria euphoria listen to this c-span washington journal which is not exactly a right-wing outlet put out a twitter poll on wednesday should the u.s end birthright citizen Nine thousand people responded 72 percent said yes poll more voters blame the media for dividing the country than trump 64 percent and it was politically neutral an even poll. Only one-third of millennials, 18 to 34, said they were even going to vote in this shit. But you're not going to hear that over the next couple di days. And the day before the election, Los Angeles Times profiled 12 biggest spenders. Guess who they all are? Liberal media people, including Bloomberg. Oh, wait, do you see how much money they wasted on O'Rourke? And then it happens. Democrats get 30. Republicans are 3 to 5. And our media nuts all over itself. I've always had a lot of Democratic friends. I've had a lot of liberal friends. I've had a lot of conservative friends. I've had a lot of libertarian friends. <clears throat> and my feeling has been, you know what, this is America. It's a big country. You vote the way, obviously, you want to vote. And I'm in no position to judge you. That's a little harder to do. In 2018, they're lying through their teeth. They're they're spreading the big lie. Yep. They are attacking non-white people, and Donald Trump has chosen. He has chosen to choose racism. Yes, 
over a strong economy. I shouldn't be shocked anymore uh, by the, the overt racism that we have seen either from the President of the United States or Republicans who are trying to uh, win election. This election ultimately is going to be about whether the American people like the message that is coming from the White House. This, this campaign, this entire election might be about your senator or your governor or your member of Congress, but ultimately when people go into the voting booth and whether they vote Democrat or Republican, if they vote Republican, they are saying we are okay with the message coming from this party. We are okay with the president using racism to, uh, against migrants coming from Central America. We are okay with a gubernatorial candidate who is putting out tweets that are clearly about inciting fear among white voters to keep them from voting for, for Stacey Abrams. So this is about the direction of the country and who we are as a people. Beyond, it's beyond history. Let's look at the issues that happened today. Uh, Stacey Abrams was one of those who had to tell people, stay at the polls. There were long lines. There was not adequate equipment there. Things were happening. The NAACP so had to electrical courts for some Right, places. right. Brian, Brian uh, the Kemp. Kemp had a um, had a problem when he when he was voting. There was a yes, but but a There's lot a of the vast majority of problems were happening in the black communities, right. and the NAACP had to even step in to ask for extended time, etc. This does not bode well when your opponent is in charge of the elections process and did not recuse himself. So she has a right uh, to do this, and I mean we are now sitting in a time where we are not. Not having voting rights enforced. We don't have voting rights anymore. Well, thanks very much. Uh, back to, uh, with the panel. Van Jones, uh, I don't know how many hours ago it was you said this was heartbreaking. Uh, Where is your head now? My, my heart has been restored. Uh, <laughs> it is the end of one party rule in the United States, thank God, and the beginning of a new Democratic Party. Younger, browner, cooler, more women, more <laughs> veterans can win in Michigan, can win in Pennsylvania, can win in Ohio. We have the first Muslim women, first Native American women, of, of the first black woman from Massachusetts, first Latina from Texas. It may not be a blue wave. It's a rainbow wave. It's something happening out there, and I'm happy about it. You know, I can't deal with your mood swings. Hey, listen, man. It's been a roller coaster, man. It's been a roller coaster. Can I say something, though, about what, what fine, the Democrats are going to do mean stuff to Donald Trump, and Donald Trump will make hay of it. That's fine. You know what Democrats are also going to do? I hope and pray we will also start talking about the reason people went out there and yeah. fought for this dead gum victory. People were out there pounding on those doors in all those states where we won and where we lost, not just because we're mad at Donald Trump. This economy everybody's talking about is not working well for everybody. People can't see doctors. People can't go to college because they can't pay for it. People, the rents are going up. People have real problems. And I, I tell you what, if Democrats want to be worthy of what just happened, I think we've got to be able to, to I, listen, make Donald Trump and the Republicans in the Senate say no to a bunch of stuff that people... Credit First of all, let, let's not forget that even though uh, Andrew Gillum wasn't able to make history and Stacey Abrams wasn't able to make history, uh, Jared Polis did make history as the first gay governor uh, in Colorado. That's a big deal. Um, a lot of the, these, these things are positive. Here's what did happen. There was a test that I think a wing of the party was trying to run. And it was the idea that you could run a bold populist, uh, unabashedly progressive, multicultural, multiracial candidacy, and win. That was the, the thesis of an Andrew Gillum, the thesis of a Stacey Abrams, the thesis of a Ben Jealous in Maryland, the thesis of a Paulette Jordan in, uh, in, in, in uh, Idaho and Beto uh, in Texas. 
All five so far failed. That is a big development. That's a sobering development. Uh, is it not possible to run those kind of races and win? First of all, I love Obama, and I hope he goes out more. Uh, but listen, we had a popular uh, performance bigger than the Tea Party. The Tea Party, 6.8% uh, in terms of your, your margin. We had 9% apparently tonight. The reason is you gerrymandered the map so bad that even when we have a 9% victory like that, we can't get all the See, seats. Somehow that doesn't so Hey guys, I got to interrupt. In the re-election, no, we, we have a big call. This is out of Texas. NBC News is projecting Ted Cruz will return to the Senate from Texas, and Republicans will be guaranteed control of the Senate as a result. Let's go to Chris Hayes, who is in El Paso at Beto O'Rourke headquarters. Uh, Chris Hayes, we've been going back to you all night long as we've been watching this almost unbelievably close race unfold. NBC now projecting that Ted Cruz will be uh, reelected. I got to ask you about how it feels in the room and whether or not people in the room have absorbed that call. They, I don't think they have absorbed it at all, to be totally honest. Um, loud music playing, it's filled. I mean, someone earlier tonight, a Texas Democrat who's elected, described the math in Texas like being in a prison and trying to get up over the wall. He said, you could try a million different ways. It's a tall wall and it's really hard. And Beto has done a lot to get up over that wall. It looks like he's going to fall short. I also just talked to a Texas Democratic uh, a Texas source who said already it's the best night, just to put this in perspective, for Texas Democrats in a generation. And Press Secretary Sarah Sanders was just asked for her thoughts on Florida, and she said, uh, I, I think a lot of credit will go to President Trump if, in fact, they pull off a victory there because he has been there to campaign for them, uh, both in the governor and the Senate race. But one thing we are not talking about right now is the overtones uh, of race and racism that have played out in the governor's race there uh, with the comments like, monkey this up by DeSantis and, and Gil Gillum saying, I'm not calling him a racist. The racists believe he's a racist. And, of course, Pres one of President Trump's more controversial tweets in this election cycle when he waited and called Gillum a thief without any evidence. Byron Pitts, Gillum, Gillum laughed off those, those attacks with a smile. He is a new face for the Democratic Party. It doesn't appear yet, at least, that he brought in enough new voters. George, that's exactly right. And I, I think for many progressives in places like Florida and Georgia, they'll be, they'll be incredibly disappointed and they'll be giving their white neighbors the hairy eyeball tomorrow, <laughs> right? Because there is this narrative in places like Georgia and Florida where he thought there's this picture painter of President Trump, fair or unfair, that for many people he's seen as someone who's anti-minority, right? And so, there, and so there were people who felt that in, in, the, in the case of Florida, we have a black man running for, for, for governor, he, he's, he's the mayor of, of the capital city of the state, uh, progressive, liked by many people, that there might be a new South, a new Florida. This is an indication that not senior White House correspondent Cecilia Vega. In the last week, the president also chose to focus on immigration, on the border, white-hot rhetoric. This has been one of the most divisive midterms in our lifetime. The president using language that appealed, frankly, to the nativist impulses of voters. You heard him lay out this closing argument crystal clear. America will be overrun by masses of illegal immigrants if you do not vote Republicans. We will see if this argument works for him and drives that base to the polls or scares voters away. There were some Republican leaders in Congress who wanted him to focus on the economy, not only Arizona or bringing Byron Pitts on that, because we're also seeing the face of the South, political face of the South changing. Oh, George, that's exactly right. I mean, after tonight, we could have potentially a black governor in Florida 
and the first black woman governor in the country in Georgia. And it's often been said about Georgia, where I lived and worked for a while, that there are two Georgias. There's Atlanta and the rest of Georgia. And this isn't just about pavement and buildings, but the cultural differences across Georgia. It's, it's, it's the old South and the new South. We'll see which South wins. Hey, Rachel, thank you very much. Here in Atlanta, Georgia, where voters uh, may be poised to make history by possibly electing uh, the first black female governor in the United States. Uh, but this race has been controversial from the very beginning. Uh, concerns about voter suppression efforts, especially uh, coming down from Brian Kemp, uh, the secretary of state, who is also running for governor. Uh, but also, not the least of which is the gutting of the Voting Rights Act. You talk to folks around here who have been around the block a few times, and they say they saw this coming a mile away. But today, even though there's excitement and long lines everywhere you go, there's also concerns about voter suppression efforts and things going wrong at the polls. How much of this do you think is just mismanagement of the polls and how much of this might be nefarious? Well, whether it's malicious intent or benign neglect, it is something that should not take place for this election cycle. We should have a transparent and fair system. He should have stepped down. Uh, in fact, I, I wish we could bring criminal charges against how he's treating our democracy. But at the end of the day, Donald Trump and his followers are still intact if it stays the way that we're seeing it right now. And a big reason for that, I believe for some time, is the economy. The fact is the economy is chugging right along. We've got the greatest job creation since the 1960s. That's always an important factor when you're in a presidential election or any kind of an election year. Uh, so we haven't seen the blue wave and we've seen the Republicans uh, make a strong stand to hold, hold or increase their, uh, their seats in the Senate. I think it's uh, early enough in the evening that we can tell that there is not a blue wave forming. There is not a blue tsunami that's going to repudiate Donald Trump across the country. Uh, in the states that Trump has campaigned in, uh, late in the campaign, uh, those states have delivered and performed for him. So if you're sitting at the White House right now, you know a couple of things for certain. You know that the worst-case scenario has not materialized. You know that the chances are now overwhelmingly likely that there will be pickups in the United States Senate. And certainly when you look downrange at the House, though the chances are still more likely than not that there will be a Democratic majority and a Democratic speaker, the losses do not appear at this hour to be as catastrophic as they were predicted. It is entirely possible that the Democrats will regain control of the House today. But I have to say, when you look at what's going on here tonight, this is not a blue wave. This is not uh, a wave that is knocking out uh, all sorts of Republican incumbents. We saw you just called the Kentucky 6th District. Now, there are every all sorts of ways that Democrats can regain the House without Amy McGrath having defeated incumbent Congressman Andy Barr. But the fact is, she did not. And if she had, that would have really been an indication of a big, powerful blue wave. The fact that she did not and it is a district that he won uh, two years ago, Congressman Barr, uh, by more than 20 points. But this was a target. Democrats did hope to win Kentucky 6. And you look at the competitive races going on in Florida, where Republicans right now have the edge. You look at what's going on in the Indiana Senate race right now. It does look as though Republicans have been able to build something of a wall in certain parts of the country, especially in these states that President Trump won. There's no tsunami. There's, there's no tsunami coming. I mean, winning the House by one vote, by one member is enough, is enough for them. But there's a lot of disappointment that I'm hearing uh, from people. I'm also hearing talk about recounts in Florida. Can you believe it? And lawyers going to Florida. So, um, you know, this, this has to really play out. But the excitement, I think, is the 
The cliche Among is Democrats. the balloon is popping. Yeah, a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of uh, excitement. Uh, this uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Lots so you know. of excitement yeah. at uh, Van? Um, well, first of all, there are still people standing in line in Georgia. There's still people standing in line in Florida. People, this is not over. People need to, to stay out there and continue the fight. Uh, this is heartbreaking, though. Uh, it's heartbreaking. Uh, the hope has been that the antibodies would kick in, that this sort of infestation of, of hatred and division uh, would, would, would draw a response from the American people, really in both parties, to say no and no, no more. Uh, that does not seem to be happening tonight. It's not a blue wave, but it's still a blue war. We've got to continue the, the fight forward. Uh, but uh, I think that sense of helplessness that has really fueled a lot of this uh, outrage and, and outpouring from Democrats uh, may still be there. To I do not have words to say what I watched, listened to today. It's beyond giddy. It's invested. That's the best word you can use for our current media situation. They were invested in this. And because they're big stars and it wasn't a, a tsunami, it wasn't what happened to Obama or Clinton or Bush... They were crushed. I'll play soundbite. People crushed. But in there you heard a lot of the stuff with this piece of shit that said that part of the blue wave is illegal immigrants who won't concede even though she's well beyond a recount. Just well beyond camp. But once again, it goes back to what I ran into before. When they can't win, they just claim it's rigged. Eric Erickson brings some light to it. One of the groups that claims Brian Kemp is suppressing the vote, and Georgia actually forgot to hand in voter registration applications, they collected, and a lot of people who thought they registered to vote couldn't vote because of this group, not because of Kemp. And I'm sure a lot of those people who registered weren't properly registered. It was a lefty group. Jen Kirkman, white women, vote like your husbands aren't watching. Another one online was vote like you're gay, vote like you're trans, vote like you're illegal, vote like you have a pre-existing condition, vote like you're not white. Read that to my wife last night. She's like, go fuck yourself. Dana Loesch voted in an NRA shirt. Loved it. Carmen Sabia, woman is telling CNN reporter she votes for freedom, votes for conservative. He starts talking to somebody else. And since we're not doing a tweet of the day, this is our tweet of the day. This is the best thing I've ever seen get leaked out on CNN. And the only reason why it went out is because it was a live feed. But listen to this guy. He literally looked at her like she was a Nazi and then did a left step to try to find anybody that would say, I'm voting for the black lady. Republicans will keep their political monopoly on power in Washington. We've got this election very well covered as only CNN can, beginning with our Gary Tuckman. He is watching an historic race for governor in the state of Georgia. It's tight as can be there and allegations flying back and forth of misbehavior, of interference, Gary. Which has resulted, Jim and Poppy, in a lot of enthusiasm for people to come out and vote. Behind me, a serpentine line that looks more like a line for the Magic Kingdom, for a great ride, but this is the voting line. And we've had very bad weather here in Georgia. This is Cobb County, Georgia. But despite the bad weather, when the polls opened this morning at 7 a.m., there were more than 100 people waiting outside. And you could see people 
have been waiting here at this point for up to an hour. I can tell you right now, we've been talking to some of the voters here who, are, who have decided to come out to vote, this lady right here. I talked to her a short time ago. Her name is Lindsay. That's me. Lindsay's with a future voter named? James. James. Lindsay, we have a very high-profile governor's race here, mm -hmm. okay? Abrams against Kemp, Republican Democrat. Who are you voting for? Brian Kemp. Brian Kemp. And let me ask you this question. Does the president of the United States, Donald Trump, have any influence on why you're voting for Kemp? No. No. I always vote conservative. I always vote for freedom. So there for freedom? Was, okay. Yeah. This is a loyal Republican right here. This one right here. Can I ask you a quick question? You, mind turn uh, around? you don't have to tell me who you're voting for. I want to know, though. <laughs> has Donald Trump, the president of the United States, influenced you at all in determining how you're going to vote today? Yes. Yes, and now maybe I have some nerve and ask you who you're voting for. Oh, uh, I declined to answer. Oh, you decline. That's okay. This is America. You have the freedom not to answer. We try to be very careful not to upset people when we ask them who they're voting for. Some people want to tell us. Some people don't. But as you said, Jim and Poppy, a very high-profile governor's race here. Stacey Abrams, the Democrat, if she becomes governor, it's very close. She will become the first African-American woman in the history of the United States to be governor in the United States. Jim wow, and Poppy, back to you can be yeah. made today. I love these scenes here. There you go. There's Gary. There are folks voting in a, in a gym, in a school gym. In my neighborhood, we vote in a church. This is a little slice of America. Happens every couple of years, and it's always fascinating to watch. Let's get right. This is a loyal Republican here. Like, that's a bad thing. You know, I heard a lot of talk today about polls, how polls are off of polls and polls, and is there the hidden Trump? Is there hidden? You people, listen to me, bubble worshipers. Your people, your base, the progressives, Antifa, Black Lives Matter, Cuomo, Lemon, Todd, Acosta. People are scared to say what they feel. It's the same reason I say on the show a million times, 37 fucking states said no gay marriage. Because in a booth, you don't own us. I'm no longer ashamed to say, I don't care if you're gay but I want you to not ruin what I think marriage is. I don't care if you're trans, but I don't want my daughter taking a dump with a dude in a dress. I'm not a homophobe, trans. I don't give a fuck what you do. You do you. Fuck a goat. Be the goat. I don't care. But it's not my life. I don't make you root for the Green Bay Packers and eat motherfucking brisket. I don't like pulled pork. I don't make you do that. But people are scared to speak because conservatives are getting ricin sent to them, chased out of fucking damn restaurants, cars destroyed, GOP headquarters trashed. Do I need to list this shit? I know you don't cover it, New York, L.A., Washington, D.C. media. You don't care about anything outside your bubble because the world doesn't exist outside your bubble. Anybody who doesn't agree with you, piece of shit, racist, xenophobe. You're a Democrat. That's what you do. I don't listen to other ideas. My idea is the only idea. Got it. This lady has huge balls. So we're going to take a break. I'm not playing music. I am playing William Wallace's speech in honor of whoever this lady is. If I could find you in Atlanta, I would give you a hug. I would adopt you because she was a young gal. I would pay for your fucking college. Because that took huge fucking guts to say, I vote for freedom. Because that's what conservatism is. I don't like the GOP, so I don't claim GOP. But I claim conservative, which believes you do you, I do me. Government doesn't ass rape us. 
Somehow that's been twisted by Democrats and the media who don't have a fucking plan, and their plan is just to, although that means you're racist, that means you're xenophobe, that means you want your wife barefoot and pregnant. Yeah. Okay. So William Walls is our break. Sons of Scotland, I am William Wallace. William Wallace is seven feet tall. Yes, I've heard. Kills men by the hundred. And if he were here, he'd consume the English with fireballs from his eyes and bolts of lightning from his arse. (laughs) I am William Wallace. And I see a whole army of my countrymen here in defiance of tyranny. You've come to fight as free men. And free men you are. What will you do without freedom? Will you fight? Fight and you may die. Run and you'll live. At least a while. And dying in your beds many years from now, would you be willing to train all the days from this day to that for one chance, just one chance, to come back here and tell our enemies that they may take our lives? But they'll never take our freedom! Texas, where Ted Cruz fought off a tough battle from Democrat Beto O'Rourke and held on to his Senate seat. Paula Ferris is in El Paso, and yes, uh, O'Rourke lost, but we're hearing about the Beto effect still in effect. Paula. Yeah, we sure are. Good morning to you, Robin. Texas Democrats who were hoping for a victory instead got hope for 2020. This race was a lot tighter than most people expected it to be. A record amount, $110 million was poured into this state, into this particular race. In his concession speech last night, Congressman Beto O'Rourke said he's more hopeful than he's ever been about Texas 
and the country. He said he called Senator Cruz and told him that he would work with him anytime, anywhere over the divisiveness in this country. But if you look at Beto's platform, he was out there on the stump campaigning for health care and unity and dreamers. Rarely, if ever, was there a mention of the economy. You just wonder if that platform was a little too progressive for Texas. Cruz certainly thinks so. And Robin, Republicans here call him, quote, a shiny new penny. Okay. 2020. I know we're just getting finished with 2018, but 2020. And you talked to Beto <laughs> O'Rourke about the possibility of running for president. Yes, I asked him if there was a scenario where he would run for president in 2020 or beyond. He said, quote, no, punto, period. <laughs> for what it's worth, Cruz told me he would be surprised if Beto didn't run. And as for Cruz, who famously ran during his first term, I said, will you serve your full term he said unequivocally he will serve his full term so a lot to be determined down here in texas robin a lot to be determined and i've lost count how many people have said no and then end up in the process of running Ever. that is the media still wet over beto who lost not close just like every other democrat you sent down there it's fucking texas You want to make Florida, Texas, and Arizona this liberal playground. People carry guns down there. Shut them about guns. Maybe they'll turn blue. Keep talking about taking away guns, taking away bullets. Everybody has to fucking can't even make a Pop-Tart gun. Yeah, you're not getting it. It's not fucking happening. Before I go into the Beto, Ashley Weiss, election update, Hillsborough County, Florida, early voting site. I was monitoring our early voting location and noticed a Democrat early voter show up late with no pants or underwear while wearing a f- flashlight on his forehead. You can't make that stuff up. She literally said this is what Democrats are. <laughs> so... That was the media. I will listen to everybody talk about how Beto, Gillum, the nightmare down in Georgia who thinks that uh, illegals are part of the blue wave. They're not letting them go. BuzzFeed, first thing this morning. Beto O'Rourke lost in Texas, but he won a whole lot of hearts nationwide. Remember, LeBron, Beyonce, Everybody went out and said they wore Beto hats, underwear, condoms. It was all Beto. These motherfuckers at BuzzFeed had a teen beat cover. I swear to God, it's a picture of Beto smiling with hearts around him. It was the stupidest, gayest shit i ever seen in my life. Joel Jason Howerton sums it up. Heart, 70 million. Losing the Texas Senate race anyway? Priceless. And then T. Greg Duchette broke it down. U.S. Senate, Texas, 2012. Paul Sadler raised 705,000 votes. 3,194, 927. 22 cents each. Because Soros, the media, fucking Ben and Jerry, everybody on the left, probably Bloomberg saddled up money. 2018, Beto O'Rourke. 69,247,000 69,240,350 plus because they were handing money away to mother fucking 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 illegals 
He got 3,413,259 votes. Cost $20.29 each. All that money for just 200K more votes than somebody else. Yeah. Yeah, the left got pissed about that one. And here, and here's the deal. I, I can't find the the file, and I don't know why I didn't put it in here. But there's proof in Texas, and, and here it is. Here it is. Okay, I'm doing a little Google searching. I'm gonna turn the volume up. This is an actual poll worker in Texas saying they let illegals vote. Give it a listen. I got stupid ads. Boom, 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 boom. Shut up. Here we go. Travis County, Texas. Texas Election Code 63012 say it's illegal and anybody ineligible to vote. I have a question for you. So let's just say my boyfriend is a dreamer, but he's registered to vote. He just needs his ID, right? Uh-huh. That's it. That's it. So long as he's registered. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Can I just ask you a question? I went back and we went and grabbed his driver's license. He's just, he's saying something about how some people are questioning whether it's legal since he's not a citizen, but he was able to register. If he, if he... If he has an ID, that's only me. If he's registered. Yeah, it doesn't matter that he's not a a citizen. No. No. If he's registered, if he has a... Honey, it may not be that he's registered. If he's giving you all this trouble, it may not be that he's registered. No, he is registered. We should have should have He's got it with him. We ran home and grabbed his driver's license because he's a DACA recipient, so he was able to get a driver's license. Yeah, he's saying he saw some mess on the internet saying that it's not legal for him to vote since he's not a city. Someone said on the internet, I don't know. Can we get you to that? Yeah. No. Are you wrong? We have dreamers voting, right? If he has a voter registration card, uh-huh. he's registered to vote. Right. He has an ID. Driver's mm-hmm. license. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Texas ID. Yeah. Or a passport. Mm-hmm. Right. Bring it up here. That's his ID. Show it to them. Mm-hmm. Then he can vote. Oh, um, Pam, what's that question? Because my... Uh, so let's say my boyfriend's out in the car, yeah, and um, he's just really nervous because he's a DACA recipient. He was able to register, though. Um, I'm trying to see if he's in the system. Although uh, no, he is in the system, okay. but he knows that, like, I don't know. There's like an issue with DACA people voting. Um, don't know yet. Got a lot of them. Mm-hmm. Okay. From the early voting, we have tons, tons of DACA voters. Thank you. Boom! In early voting, we had tons of DACA voters. They can't vote. They're not citizens. What did I tell you? What did I tell you? And I'm not the only one out there. I'm not going to sound like I'm Mr. Smart Guy. I'm not Mr. Smart Guy. Everybody listen to this who's not a left-wing moon bat. You know the moment you give an ID to somebody, they're fucking voting. The moment you register them for dog catcher polls and or elections and fucking uh, city council, they're voting. We had tons of DACA. You heard the African-American lady with the lisp. Just bring him on up if he's got an ID card. 
That, that's that's all that matters. Doesn't matter. So with the media, my point, all the money, Samantha B writers, black women ninety five percent for Beto. White women did what white women do. You pieces of fucking shit. He's a guy. Nothing's gonna happen. It's okay. Yeah, with freaking him dropping f bomb and concession speech. With Washington Post in Texas, Beto O'Rourke loses the race for Senate, but he still makes a mark. Sure as I'm a fat, balding guy, he went out on a lake today and almost died from fucking logs and didn't catch even a cold. Well, at least that I know of yet. You're going to hear this dick wad in 2020. They are jerking off to this guy like you wouldn't believe. So he cheated. He had more money than anybody ever did. But he doesn't have any substance. What the left's trying to do with Gilliam, him, and this nightmare we're about to talk about who won't concede, they want another Obama. Some slick-talking motherfucker that can get up there and young people like him and women will swoon because they think he's so good-looking and they're trying to get a Kennedy or an Obama. He's the Kennedy. The other two African-Americans, they want an Obama. You can't put... You just don't put magic in a bottle, folks. It's not a race thing. It's not a it's a one-time thing. There'll never be a Reagan. I was 16. I love that dude. I didn't know shit about politics. Everybody loved him. That's why he won by electoral landslide. Electoral landslide. He was fucking he was just the shit. He was your grandpa. For Obama, the people like Paige in Oregon who no longer talks to me because I don't think transgender is the coolest thing in the world, because she's so tolerant. They thought this dude was a cat's meow. Nothing he did was good. Economy didn't get better. Nothing got fucking better under Obama. They did Chicago politics and rigged the numbers. They rigged the fucking unemployment. And they made a shitload of $8 jobs where it used to be fourteen fifty. He didn't fix shit. Middle East went to shit. Any fucking black Republican president who had the same record as Obama would be considered a fucking failure. But he was a one-off. You're not going to replicate that shit. Most Americans can go back black, white, pink, or tutti-frutti and go, yeah, I kind of got sucked in with his cool speeches. But the speeches didn't get shit on the other side. Didn't help me none. It's going to be no different in 2020. Fucking Trump can fucking rally his ass off. and ain't going to get nobody to vote for him if the economy's sucking. And we're still where we're at, which I'll get to him in a bit. CNN covered it last night, as I said, but we're back to this popular vote. Evans Hill, Democrats have a 12-point lead and overall popular vote for the Senate and have lost three seats. Okay. Other little tidbits. So every damn senator in a competitive race who voted against Kavanaugh, Donnelly, Heitkamp, McCaskill, and almost certainly Nelson... And the one who voted Kavanaugh survived Mansion. Coincidence? Folks? Folks? No, it's not. They know they jumped the shark. That's why they needed the illegal caravan, just to get where they got. Paul Krugman last night. Well, I'm in midair. I'm in midair, but online and not happy. The House could go either way, but clearly Republicans are doing better than expected after closing argument based entirely on fears and lies. This is going to be very grim. Fears and lies, once again, not what you do, which is fears and lies. You did nothing but fear, and everybody's racist, but yeah, okay. 
Carville, Tapper. I heard uh, even Joe kind of this morning say, yeah, this wasn't that great. It wasn't the blue wave. But on air, and I'm not playing it, Tapper and Carville said it. The controversial San Francisco homeless tax that pitted tech billionaires Mark Benoff and Jack Dorsey against each other passes. San Francisco Proposition C will tax the city's biggest businesses to raise funds to combat homelessness past Tuesday. Proposition C will increase gross receipt taxes for companies with more than $50 million in average revenue by an average of 0.5% generating up to 300 million in a year you can bet google's going to move you can bet it they're liberal as fuck until they stop losing that bottom line and stock options that's a lot of coin 0.5%s a shit ton bro bro that's a no shitter amount of money Stacey abrams isn't conceding a doggone thing this is that article i got this from Da Root, who pretty much sums it up. Uh, I want to go with the comments first. I, I thought this was very poignant. This is what the media has done to people. Um, Obama started it, really. Let's be honest. Let's go back to Obama did this. And then the media stuck with it because they were scared of Obama. And they loved him so. And, and this is where we're at. The real Martha Jones. Yes, girl, do not concede shit. Fuck these dizzy, dipshit white men who think they own the world. Fuck your racism, you scum. That's uh, his call sign. It's amazing how these racist right-wing trolls, these cancer cells upon humanity, are arguing that they deserve the power and that it's only fair and has nothing to do with race while simultaneously being racist as fuck and cucking to themselves about it. I don't know what cucking is, but okay. To those trolls, I hope you find yourself with your throats cut, your bodies dismembered, and your bones bleached in the sun. Barely covered in the middle of a desolate field. Either never to be found or discovered decades later. That was this morning at 11.54 a.m. Still there. Husky bro. Got a crazy husky picture. So I like the picture because I got huskies. If I were Abrams, I'd be on the phone with the United Nations, ACLU, NAACP, BLM, AFL, CIO, NAMBA. Yeah, okay. Let's get on that. Not enough day drinking. I was going to say they should call the U.N. Electoral Assistance Divisions, since our own government obviously isn't interested in overseeing fair elections. I'm pretty, I'm pretty the first thing they teach is fair election class is not allowed. Bro, Husky Bro comes back. How anyway does not see how Shady Kemp basically counting his own vote is, is beyond me. Their article is a what the media would say if they could. With most precincts that have reported in, Georgia's gubernatorial race has been projected to end in Republican Brian Kemp's favor. But after a hard-fought campaign, Stacey Abrams refused to concede and appears ready to take the race down the wire and down to the very last vote. It's been so no secret that Kemp has done his damnness to suppress voters under the flimsy guise of keeping election procedures fair. That's a total lie where he sold it. After first denying that his role overseeing elections as Secretary of State was a conflict of interest, he continually made attempts to make it harder for people to vote based on minor technicalities and recently accused Democrats of hacking the elections. In a stroke of poetic justice, Kemp himself had trouble voting. It would be hilarious if the context weren't at, at once depressing and enraging. But all of it just made Abrams' impassioned speech in the wee hours of the morning that much more striking. I'm not going to name names, but some have worked harder to take our voices away, she told the audience supporters. But our vision is clear, and we see the finish line. Her vision is... Uh, 
DACA and illegals vote. And I guess they do in Texas. You need to fix that, Georgia. Predicting a runoff race, Abrams expressed her faith in Georgia's voters. Votes remain to be counted. There are voices that were waiting to be heard. I promise you tonight that we're going to make sure that every vote is counted. Every single vote, every single vote gets counted. In a statement to CNN, Abrams explained her decision. Three of the state's largest counties reported only a portion of the votes that were submitted by early mail, and four other large counties have reportedly exacting zero votes by mail. According to the campaign together, it said the seven counties expect to return 77,000 va- ballots. These counties also represent heavily Democratic-leaning constituencies, and the majority of these votes are anticipated to be state the Abrams, the statement read. The campaign also said it was waiting for absentee ballots, another major pickup opportunity for Abrams to be counted, something that Abrams told its supporters in Atlanta as well. For his part, Kemp and Stanley believes he has the win. Either way, Abrams may be minimizing his ability to sweep any further voting suppression tactics under the rug. If nothing else, there's even more of the spotlight on this race now. For all the things people have said and done to try and make citizens feel like their votes matter, Abrams is really driving the point home here and continuing to keep a hot gaze on Kemp's underhanded tactics. We're crossing our fingers at the root, NBC. Let, let's just break this out really quick. Um... If a Republican was down this far in a race and wouldn't concede, the media would lose their shit over this. If this was flipped and Kemp was down the amount that he is, I mean, it's well beyond the recall, recount, they would lose their shit. It is normal procedures that unless you're within, and I already said this earlier, but the percentage of votes that your state regulates... Fuck your absentee ballot. Is it right? No. I, I've never thought it was right. I never got a vote. I just ranted about it an hour one, and we're out at like seven now because I don't know how long this thing is. You know, hey, but that's the way it is. But if a conservative did this, oh, hells to the fuck no. Other things before we close this out and just go into news and social media nuggets. Um, Comey's wife said she was called by conservatives and that she said, I will never vote conservative again unless, unless Trump's not in the office. Here's the problem with all this. There's also pictures of Comey going door to door politicking for Democrats. So that story's lie, A. And B, Comey, we see you. That's all I gotta say. We see you. Guess it's not a good week to white, huh? CNN's Don Lemon seems to be suggesting a travel ban for white men. Yeah, that was a good one. Now all whites are getting dressed down for Sophia Benoit, who lists herself as LinkedIn as an intern at Funny and Die. Sophie Benoit, literally fuck every white person who's afraid of undocumented people. Come on, let's read that. Democrat uh, Brian Schatz, who I'm pretty sure lost. Pretty sure he lost. Let's let's find. I'm gonna Google search that. Please hold. I'll just keep the music playing. It's kind of stupid to say. Please hold. Da 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 Boom. Okay, it looks like he is a senator. So I'm totally wrong. Glad I did that. Think shaming citizens who don't vote by telling them to delete their account is a good way to win support. Outfits like Club for Growth Action appear determined to make Shat's effort look warm and fuzzy by comparison. 
These are messages people got prior to the vote. 361-928-2656 is the number. Public records will show whether you vote in this election or not. You and your neighbors can look up who voted. Be sure to vote. Vote in Texas. Guys from fucking Hawaii, by the way. Anna Z. Oh, my God. The get-out-the-vote people have gone full Gestapo. Be a voter or... Another one said, I just got it also, 972 error code. Why would I care if my neighbors see whether I voted? Utah Democrat thought this turd they laid in my mailbox would be effective. I also vote, will be, I will be voting straight red. That's right, Dems. I've never Rami, and I'm voting straight Republican. Give my regards to irrelevancy. He got the same thing in an email. Then this guy got, check this bullshit I got from Club for Growth. I'll never give them money. Neighbor. Neighbor, 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 with their voter turnout with A, B, C, D, E on the grades. Yeah. Marie Claire ran a whole thing, 50 women that are fundamental to America, not a single conservative. They had Hillary Clinton, Moms Demand, Shannon Watts, Senator Gillibrand. Uh, fucking poke a motherfucking honest, which is really funny. Byline, uh, I heard on CN fucking N, all right? CNN, the first Native American woman got voted into the fucking house. <laughs> and I thought it was really funny because I thought we already had a center as Native American. Okay. 10 of the Trump bad, Trump mean, Trump pushes hatred, blame Trump. Okay, this one deserves an eye roll. President Trump, this is from ABC This Week. President Trump insists he deserves no blame for what he called the hatred in the country. ABC identified at least 17 criminal cases where Trump's name was invoked, direct connection with violent acts, threats of violence, or allegations of assault. Nine, according to the New York Times, tax cut, job growth, and thriving economy are in a fundamental conflict with women's faith. New York Times, within a voting base that remains deeply conservative, some women have found the president's policies to be fundamental conflict with their faith. They show a Latino lady who's supposedly conservative. She's a millennial, too. Yeah, the picture is bullshit. Math is hard. ABC News, Trump's president approval is 40%, is lowest for a president ahead of his midterm, except for Harry Truman. 59% of likely voters say it's highly important to them to vote for a candidate who shares their opinion of Trump. They came up with all these stats. None of them are right, by the way. Both MSDNC and NBC are running this one. They think their magic poll went the other way. Florida governor's right, head-to-head. They show that Scott lost by a ton. We're looking at like eight percentage points. Six, the list would have been complete with at least one comparison to an evil leader from another country. Analysis, Trump finds like-minded demagogues and Bolsario. These are all the day before the election. Huh, you know what? We can't, even, we can't even with this one. Number five, opinion. Trump's racism can't win elections. Gerrymandering and voter suppression can. The funny thing also, and I'm just going through, this is just random shit right now if we're going to do social media nugget, is they said it's so important that the, the Democrats now have 23 governorships so they can redistrict. That's literally what CNN said. But all we've heard forever is uh, the Republicans are gerrymandering. But on CNN, it's good now the Democrats can gerrymander. Good for you. Washington Post seems to be on a mission to outdo the gross bias of every other outlet. Midterm test whether Republicans not named Trump can win by stoking racial animosity. Full Trumpism. The president's apocalyptic attacks reach a new level of falsity. All right before the election. Three. 
But what astrological sign are they? Candidates going to the general election, including House, Senate, and the governor's race. Female, 278. Non-white, 202. Openly LGBT, all Democrats. With the midterm election only days away, here's a look at the 2018 primaries by the numbers. That's what ABC News put out. Now, you're not a Democrat. It's, you're gay. That's more important. Trump's everything. And then lastly, we're all going to die. Washington Post. The president's apocalyptic tax reads a new level of falsity. Then they had some honorable mentions on this. Uh, CBS This Morning. What other things could Democrats investigate? President's family company, EPA, citizenship questions, the 2020 census. Basically, every week, if they can get control, there'll be some kind of investigation, Ed O'Keefe says. Yeah. And last but not least, Democrats traumatized by 2016 are having pre-midterm nightmares. That was a big thing this week. It was a huge thing. And I'll close out with our last lectured thing, and I, I just wanted to do this. This lady should get the Braveheart treatment, but she won't. Her name is Hell Bells, and there was a whole thing about liberal women vote, and she said, fuck you, I'm going to do it myself. A bunch of other people did it, but I just took hers, because her thread is just like, freedom lady down in Georgia. I'm just going to read what she wrote. I won't say Hell's Bells every time. Conservative women vote based on principles, not body parts. Because we value protect human life, born and unborn, on the economy. When the economy is better, when government is smaller, when regulations are tempered, we succeed. Because if a woman feels best protected by carrying a firearm, she damn well better be able to whenever and wherever she damn well wants. Because we see leftist mob violence, their penchant for socialism and communism, and want to protect our children and country. History unlearned is bound to repeat, but not on our watch. God Damn, that gives me a woody. Conservative women vote. I said I wasn't going to do it, but I did it again. Because we want to be able to practice our deeply held religious beliefs without fear of discrimination. Jews, Muslims, Baptists, Catholics, Mormons, and all others must be free to follow their convictions without fear of the government boot on their necks. We vote because intersectionality, third-wave feminism, and identity politics are bullshit in the highest degree. We vote because we're independent and free-willed. We don't need daddy government to give us. Safety nets for the poor are necessary, but welfare abuse is real and should be reformed. And lastly, conservative women vote because fuck unnecessary taxes. If you'd like to follow her like I did and tell her she is a goddess, it's at Hell's Bells, H underscore at underscore H-E-L-L-Z-B-E-L-L-Z. The H and the B are capitalized. Let's do one Christmas song and a compressed news. Social media nuggets.
stocking of little Bill. Oh, just see what a glorious fill. Here is a hammer and lots of tacks. Whistle and a ball and a whip that grass. the media bubble one podcast at a time here's tony reed this, this is this is something man this is this is our generation man all you people we're all together man it's groovy and dig yourselves because it's really groovy now it's time for news and social media nuggets the crazy stuff that makes your host lose his mind. It's a whole new ball game on campus these days, and they call it PC. PC? Politically correct. And it's not just politics, it's everything. It's what you eat, it's what you wear, and it's what you say. If you don't watch yourself, you can get in a buttload of trouble. For instance, right see these girls? Yeah. No, you don't. Those are women. You call them girls, and they'll pop your figs. Save the whales. Gays in the military now. Was the new and I know it's just a bunch of shit blowing up, but God, you know that's right down my alleyway. That is the new Navy commercial, and it's literally just dudes 
on a skiff with miniguns, circa Navy SEAL movie. Um, what was that? Uncommon Valor? No, it's uh, whatever. The new one out that had actual SEALs in it. It was fucking badass. That video made me want to join the Navy. I mean, I'd never do it because I'm an Army guy, but whatevs. Here's when the Army might unveil slogan to replace Army Strong. I go through the whole thing. It really doesn't tell me when it's going to happen, but eventually they're going to get rid of that because Army Strong and the Army of One. And just go back to be all you can fucking be, all right? Just go back to it, man. Although I have seen a couple infantry ones now where they had some Ranger guys and they were doing some room clearing. It, it gave me a little chubber. That was pretty cool. Um, 2018 Veterans Day for all you vets out there. Deals, discounts, and freebies. Chili's, Hooters, Friendly's. I know uh, I'm going to Cracker Barrel. Or not Cracker Barrel, but uh, Golden Crow. They get free. And there's a whole list. You can go to uh, taskandpurpose.com and get a list of all the free meals. Uh, popular Veterans Day travel recreation discounts. Army Corps Engineer offered Veterans Day discount. Legoland, Harley-Davidson Museum. There's a whole bunch more. Popular Veterans Retail discounts. Target, Public, Sports Clips, um, and a shit ton other. There's also a new app. Uh, how, here's how you can ring the bell of peace on your smartphone for Veterans Day, which is next Monday. Um Where's the link to that shit if somebody actually wants this? Uh, www.1cc.org backslash app. www.1cc.org backslash app. 10 best cities for vets. Oklahoma City, Omaha, Colorado Springs, Washington, D.C. I dispute that, but whatever. Grand Forks, North Dakota. Uh, Austin, Texas, San Antonio, Texas, Charlottesville, Rapid City, South Dakota, and Manhattan Councils. There is 11 metrics of veteran success, wellness, such as income data, unemployment rate, and equality, uh, local department affairs office hospital. The data was then paired with general quality of life measures like poverty rate, environment, economic schools, and crime. I say bullshit. Nashville is a really good one. It's a good vet friendly place and it's good for you if you want to relocate after your career uh, i know i'm sounding biased because i live here but uh, the fact of the matter is it's just a great place i mean it was easy cheap got some spaces little recreation and with clarksville booming so big and you have nashville booming so big and you have knoxville and memphis is ginormous plenty of cities to get a job you know that you can co-locate after a tour in the Hunter and First, move out maybe a little bit between you and there. Like for those who wouldn't want to go live in Memphis, but you don't want to live in Memphis, Jackson, Tennessee is like an hour drive outside. You know, a lot of guys did that when they got out. The road that plays Marine Hymn to be named after Arlie Ermey. If one day hear the hear the Marine Hymn while driving between Agnes Road and Sahara Highway in Palmdale, California, do not fret. The section of the road known as Avenue N will be named for acclaimed actor and Marine Corps veteran Arlie Ermey during a ceremony on November 10th, the Marine Corps birthday, according to fundraising play page linked to Ermey's family, friends, and supporters. I'm trying to figure out how it works. There is a campus feature color flyover. Yada, yada, yada. Okay, doesn't say. I guess it's on your radio. Utah mayor killed an insider attack. The You know, the thing that's so fucked up about it is I think he's a Republican. Yeah, he's a Republican. You didn't hear that. Maybe you did, and I know I did not hear it in the news. 
because he was in the National Guard. They just said a soldier died, but his um, name was Brent Taylor, 39, and he was a mayor of Ogden, North Ogden. Um, Mitt Romney actually gave him a statement uh, last week. So I know we're long, but I got to play this. No, I'm not going to play it. Okay, I'm not going to play it. This podcast is fucking out of control. I got too much shit. Next podcast, I promise you, Military Corner is just going to be an interview with an A-10 pilot. It is fucking awesome. And it's just awesome. It's a great interview. That's all Military Corner will be. I'll I'll just play the soundbite, the Military Corner soundbite, and you'll hear this great 20-minute interview. So let's go into our favorite your favorite, even your mom's favorite, College Crazy. UC Berkeley group disavows own student senator over conservative Christian views. Oh, isn't that nice? A student government group at the University of California, Berkeley, disaffiliated with one of its own student senators after she voiced her traditional conservative views. The Student Action Party at UC Berkeley announced a Facebook post that it would part ways with the student senator due to inconsistencies between her views and those of the party. Student arrested, charged with battery after confrontation with college Republicans. This is the one I alluded to in the beginning. Florida State University police arrested and charged a student with allegedly assaulting at least one Republican at a tabling event. The student, Shelby Ann Shoup, threw her drink on at least one college Republican member and kicked over a sign. That's abbreviating it. She poured it on everybody's crotches like that crazy chick in uh, Russia we talked about four podcasts ago. So. Good for you. Go to jail. Admin regrets urging students to speak against Trump caravan response. The vice provost of diversity and international affairs at the University of Louisville urged students in an email to speak against some of the President Donald Trump's policies. UL spokesman confirmed the existence of the email in a statement to campus reform, acknowledging it may have suggested that UofL was taking sides on a political issue because you were taking sides on a political issue. What is the problem with the left? Why why do you want this many people coming in? And why did you just stay quiet when Obama deported half the fucking world? Seriously, they're freaking out about barbed wire. They're freaking out about soldiers being sent. I, I don't understand. This is like, a, a, what is it, 3,000 people now? I know you want to win elections. But damn, dude. We're just supposed to let people walk over the borders because they might possibly just vote like you. Yeah, okay. Professor asked students to compare Trump and Nazi policies. For an extra credit assignment, students at the University of Arizona were asked to compare President Donald Trump's policies with those of Nazis. One student expressed her concern with the prompt to the professor, who then claimed she did not intend to compare the two. Do you get what's going on? I mean, CNN admitted this morning that Arizona is their possible blue state. They're really working on that state out there because they want the electoral stuff. And we're always reason, reading Arizona professors doing crazy shit. And in the beginning of this, the infancy of this show, my buddy Tom in Tucson gave me a great sheet of paper about all the demands from every demographic of 
fucking PC world, social justice warriors, and the money they wanted, and the gay student assemblies, and yada yada. Do you think it's linked to the Democratic Party? Because it just makes sense to me that this is, you know, let's get them in college and high school and grade school and brainwash that ass so that we can get more electoral votes. Okay. Professor to students, block Fox News from family members' TVs when they're not looking. A North North Carolina State University professor issued a document to students suggesting that they block Fox News on their family members' TV sets. Professor Michaelia de Soucy has since apologized for the guide, and the university considers the matter closed. But every week I've been doing this section, and I'm not surprised. Because there's another one. University of Missouri. That's a pretty purplish state. It's not, you wouldn't think it was liberal. 98.4% of the Missouri admins and 97.6% of all faculty donate strictly to Dems. Not a lot, though. They were like 70,000. Back to Netflix, and do we actually think this is a surprise? The Obamas might make a TV show about disorder in the Trump administration for Netflix. But remember, we're not doing anti-conservative shows. That's what Netflix said. Boy, I told my wife, the first one that drops, the first ones that huge, we're discontinuing Netflix and get pretty much everything I want on Hulu. They're liberal too, but they're not having the Obamas do shit. This one blew me away. I watched this show. It's actually not that bad, surprisingly. Um, and sure, it's got the gratuitous gay stuff, and you got to always say everybody's gay. Uh, they, they've hinted about transgender shit, whatever. But this week, um, the, the plot line is a lady cheated on her husband. She was cheating with his best friend, and the st- show starts where the husband commits suicide, jumps off a fucking uh, balcony. And that's where we begin. And then we find out the infidelity and all that shit. Well, she's pregnant. And one of the good friends of this guy... You know, it's a cr- terribly premised show. I mean, let's be honest. Three dudes get stuck in an elevator. They become life-life friends. Okay, no. It's not happening. But whatever. And basically, she goes in to get an abortion. Me and my wife are going, there we go. Normalizing abortion. They were told to do it by, you know, PPFA and the Democrats. So they're doing it. And at the last second, she doesn't. She said, I could not do it. And I was shocked. I was shocked they pulled off that shit. I mean, I was just shocked. In other news like this, 911 this week was the usual 911. Anything with these two people that run Hollywood shows, Brett or Brant Murphy. And Shonada Chandarams is copious, everybody's gay. So this week, we're dealing with two different storylines of gay. One of the EMS person's gay. The one of the cop's husband's gay. So they got the relationship over here. They got that. Well, they end with this beautiful scene of a person in a life and a scrapbook. And it ends up being... One of the spouses gets crushed by their car because they left it on neutral. And then the other person dies on top of them from a heart attack because they're very, very old. And it's gay. Goes back to Studio 54, two gay guys, gay, 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 gay. 
I cannot tell you what any of the 911 stuff is about, which is going back to, I'm not homophobic, I don't give a fuck, but my point is, I tune in for 911, because I want emergency 51 like I was a kid. I want cliff rescues, motherfuckers, haloing out of helicopters with a kit bag, right? I mean, not haloing, but you know what I mean. That's why we watch the show, but no, it was LGBT stuff, so it was the first time I've ever tweeted about it, because... You know you go out on Twitter and you do a tweet about anything PC right now. You could lose your job, lose your life. You could be clubbed to death like a baby seal by the fucking social justice warrior Antifa uh, military wing of the social justice warriors. Well, I don't have a job to lose, so I said, fuck it. And I put it out there like, this is the most beautifully written segment I've ever seen in TV. Which was overshadowed by the agenda for rights already earned. You're stuck in the 90s gay marriage is legal there's a million laws for gay people gay people are normal and once again you keep on fucking losing the fact that 4.5% of America is gay and 0.7% is transgender you make your show like everybody's gay there were more gay characters in this episode a 911 than straight characters and unless they're in a certain sect of California Per capita, you don't have that many gay people. So, there's a positive and a negative. First time someone's sentenced for convincing spouse to commit suicide, it is in Australia. Graham Moray, 68, was convicted of convincing his wife, Jennifer, who was 56, to commit suicide in 2014. And he got charged with it. Because he was trying to get $1.4 million dollars life insurance good I say good on you Paul Dalgetta from Fox this person just drove through, drove through a tornado wild weather day as strong squall lines brought widespread severe weather to Tampa Bay area search it online Paul Fox 13 on Twitter can't play it cause you know it's just fucking wind and shit man eating tigress lured to death with Calvin Klein obsession not reading the rest. Yeah, they had to kill it because it was killing people, but it liked the smell of Calvin Klein. Don't know how that happens. 26-year-old female special education teacher charged with sex with female student. 26-year-old special education teacher from Ohio was indicted Monday for allegedly having sexual contact with a 17-year-old female student on at least two occasions. Jennifer Walsh allegedly had a sexual relationship with a student from Sycamore High School, where Walsh was teaching at the time. From May to August, according to court records, obtained WXIX, 26-year-old, was charged with two counts of sexual battery by a grand jury. The victim is questioned as not special needs students, reports the New York Post, which is the first reason why I read this, because I'm like, you sick fuck. A report from WXIX says the alleged sexual encounter did not happen on school property. Wallace resigned from the Sycamore High School some two weeks ago on October 19th in cooperation with Montgomery Police. It was a deep sadness that we inform you of a situation involving a former Sycamore High School employee, said a letter from the high school back to parents. Montgomery Police is investigating allegations that former teacher Jennifer Walsh engaged in inappropriate blah, 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 blah. Her privacy laws concerning students in the district is limited to what we can speak about. Find the report allegations to be shocking, upsetting, and take them very seriously. Sycamore High School told parents they're committed to fully working with the police department to make this shit stop and hope in the future that hardcore lesbians do not attack our children. And I will tell you, in a million years, you would never think this person would do this. Normal looking young lady, attractive, 
making a booty call with their students. Oh, are you fucking kidding me? So as promised, condensed portion of show. Go right into lighter fare. Here's Comedy Central mocking celebrity ads. I was shocked. Tosh.0, I think, would do this, but not Comedy Central. I mean, they're part of Universal and part of the NBC family of you must be a liberal. But even they say, come on, if you need a celebrity to tell you to vote, you're, you're kind of shady, bro. So, enjoy. On November 6th, there's an election. You might be thinking... Wow, a new president already? No. This is not a presidential election. It's a midterm. Senators. Congress people. Governors. Local officials. All Americans are asking themselves... The same questions. Should I vote? How will I know that I should vote? If celebrities don't tell me to. Does Emma Stone think I should vote? What about John Krasinski? Have you guys seen A Quiet Place? Yes, but that isn't what this is about right now. It's about celebrities. Telling regular Americans that they have to vote. Many normal Americans like us don't know what we should do until celebrities tell us what to do. Should I moisturize? Jennifer Aniston says you should. That's a yes. But should we vote? Some people are calling this the most important election of our lives. But they aren't famous. Chris Tucker. Lady Gaga. Kendrick Lamar. Will Smith. Should I vote? Ethel Merman. The Harlem Globetrotters. Angela Bassett. Kylie Jenner's baby. Bruno Mars. Cast of Riverdale. Your silence is deafening. I still don't know why the left think that works. It just doesn't work. It it, it most adults that are gonna vote don't need a celebrity to tell them, and any politically active kid isn't either. They're just not. I mean, the super hardcore kids like my daughter at a period in her life when she was super super liberal um post the election she didn't give a fuck what beyonce said beyonce wasn't the reason why she was voting she was voting because everybody's a fucking racist piece of shit no i'm joking but i mean the most liberal kids are either in a cause they're gay for the gay mafia they're for the transgender mafia or they're because everybody's a fucking racist i mean they're already invested so i i don't get the whole thing but it just seems like a liberal thing um, they think it's going to work. You know, Bruce Springsteen coming out and singing, Born in the USA, even though I fucking hate it, is going to make a bunch of people go to the polls. Um, this was probably p- played in there, but I, I just got to play this. This is this is what's wrong with the media once again. I started with what's wrong with the media, and I'm going to end with what's wrong with the media. And here's Van Jones literally upset that, you know, how could these people not hate Trump like me? Why isn't a tsunami happening and this is pretty much what I got today from everybody. Everybody I listened to. They were so disappointed that not every seat in the House and the Senate flipped. Trump was impeached instantly. They are so invested in the Democratic Party that when things don't go their way and the rock stars don't win and America doesn't listen to them, the Chuck Todds, the Acostas, the Cuomos, the Lemon, and the Van Jones say stupid shit like this. Uh, Van? Um, well, first of all, there are still people standing in line in Georgia. There's still people standing in line in Florida. People, This is not over. People need to, to stay out there and continue the fight. Uh, this is heartbreaking, though. Uh, it's heartbreaking. Uh, the hope has been that the antibodies would kick in, that the sort of infestation of, of hatred and division 
uh, would, would, would drive response from the American people, really in both parties, to say no and no, no more. Uh, that does not seem to be happening tonight. It's not a blue wave, but it's still a blue war. We've got to continue the, the fight forward. Uh, but uh, I think that sense of helplessness that has really fueled a lot of this uh, outrage and, and outpouring from Democrats uh, may still be there tomorrow. This is just heartbreaking. We didn't get everything we want. So we're going to talk about the popular vote, which means nothing. Ever. Folks, it goes back to what we've been talking about since Trump got elected. When everything is a chyron on your network, every tweet is an assault on democracy, even people that don't like Trump start looking for something positive. And it goes back to W. I say it all the time. It's repetitive. I understand. But W got reelected because they beat up on him so fucking bad. People felt sorry for that guy. He became human. Trump is hard to take on any level. If I distill down his policies, I agree with them. I agree on the border. I agree on taxes. I agree on fighting tariffs. As a president, he's horrible. Even his little speech today. I had a, I was doing the last parts of this, and I literally had to shut him off. It was just like, there's no humility. Even the uh, enlightened one, the dear leader, Barack Hussein Obama, came out and said, we got shellac finally. First time he didn't say it as much. He tried to spin it. Second time, you know, he's tried to spin it. It's your guys' fault. Second time, he took it on the chin. He still believed in his heart and still politic like it's just you're a bunch of fucking racists and we lost because I'm black. I mean, he didn't change, but Trump's incapable of really coming out of it. All right. He's just not. I, I wasn't, I didn't buy any of his shit after about 10 minutes. Like I said, I muted him. I just couldn't do it anymore. But before he spoke, Jim Acosta was brought in on CNN three times today, and he said the same thing. This president won't do this. He's not going to say this. He's not going to talk about this. He's not going to talk about that. He's not going to talk about 2020 as a nightmare. He's not going to talk about this. He's not going to talk about that. Well, at no time did you, Jim Acosta, the only person on is Tapper, that literally said, hey, this didn't go the way it was supposed to go. The American people, once again, aren't buying our bullshit, and maybe there is something to what Trump does. Maybe Republicans do have plans. Maybe the Democrats are pretty fucked up. There's only one person, MSDNC, for a few minutes. Tom Brokaw, super lib, I know, but he said, what is the Democratic Party? Even Rendell said, if the first thing they do is just try to impeach him, they're fucked. The Democratic Party makes the Republican Party look solidified. And it's not. But you have three different elements in the Democratic Party. The crazy Ocasio shit. Abolish ICE. Impeach Trump. Her, Maxine Waters, and all those crazy fuckers. You got the old school, I say it, but really I want to get some shit done before 2020 comes around. Or else if we're in charge of the House, we don't put a single thing up to the Senate. We can't say the Senate blocked it. That's Schumer and Pelosi. And then you got the Bernie Sanders side. They're fucked up. You cannot do what you've done and think you're going to get landslides. Kavanaugh backfired. 
You manufactured a caravan, as we're seeing with Beto O'Rourke, and there's articles everywhere, Soros giving money to the shit, because you needed something to say, look at him, he's a racist. Because that scared African Americans to go vote, and Latinos to vote, and Asians to go vote, and women to go vote. That's how you won. It wasn't Trump's the devil. Most people tuned that out. He's been the devil for the last two and a half years. Your ratings are in the tank. People are sickened to listening to you. But for you to reach out and get people to think like you, you, Lemon and Cuomo, can't say that we need a fucking ban on white guys and think that's going to work because there's more white women than there are black women and those white women go hey that's pretty fucked up my husband's not a racist my husband doesn't blow shit up you can't sit and point to the one guy handing out crappy fucking bombs that were never going to blow up and ignore the ricin attacks You can't go look at that crazy shot up a synagogue and ignore the black Obama volunteer doing the very same thing. Americans aren't stupid. The Democrats that won didn't win other than Ocasio and Waters, people like that, and Warren, I meant to say Warren, who was up, didn't win on Trump's the devil. They want on what they always win. This is my vision. This is my policy. The lady in Georgia would probably have won governorship, but she scared off a lot of white women when she said all gay people, all this, all that, and you never said anything else. You basically said your campaign has nothing to do with the white people in the state. You white motherfuckers are racist. Go fuck yourself. Because somewhere a long time ago there was a slave owned here. That's basically what her speech was in a nutshell. She gave more props to a bunch of legal people who already broke the law that came into the country. You know, back in the day, Democrats were smarter about this shit. Clinton could pivot and go super lib. And then go back to being conservative. He worked the polls. He worked his re-election. He even did welfare reform. You know, Slick Willie was a shitty-ass president who got blowjobs underneath his fucking desk while he fired half the fucking military for the same damn thing. But at least he was centrist when it was time to politic. There is no center in the left. There's still a center in the Republican Party. And that's why they picked up Senate seats. Because they realize there's no way most of us, unfortunately, went in and did what the New York Times told us to do. Block the Democrats in the Senate. Because there were too many seats, too many retirements. The the House was going to flip. There was no way it wasn't going to flip. But you didn't flip it that much. They still have 209 seats. I expected, like... What happened to Obama? 65 seats. It didn't happen because your still policy is to tell everybody they're fucking pieces of shit because they don't think like you and spend every winking minute on your network saying everybody who supports Trump is a piece of shit. 
So now we have gridlock America. Nothing is going to happen for the next two years. There'll be no infrastructure. There'll be no health care fix. Anybody went to the polls and thought, I voted Democrat and things are going to change. They're not. And you're just going to have just stupid investigations. These people are so simple. All I heard today was get Trump's taxes. What is that going to change? He's still going to be president. You're not going to impeach him on something you find in a tax form. And I am pretty positively sure they're going to try to fucking impeach him. And they won't. Because the Senate will block it. And unlike what we do with Republicans, the media is going to say it was righteous. Unlike they do with Republicans, the media said the Democrats are the best thing since ever. And they have power. We woke up today to a new reality. We woke up today was what I heard all over the TV today. We. Because they are activists for the DNC. So this wraps up another episode of Flyover Politics Podcast. Please feel free to share with the family and friends. Send emails about comments or suggestions for segments to F-O-P-P-O-D-C-A-S-T at gmail.com. FOPpodcast, gmail.com. You can get this show on SoundCloud, Podcast Addict, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, iTunes, Blueberry, and Stitcher. Remember, check out the Flyover Politics webpage at F-O-P-P-O-D-C-A-S-T dot com. FOPpodcast.com. It's a theme. To see links to feeds of the show, links to our Facebook page, and email us. There you'll also see a link to every episode on the episode release page. I am planning on doing a podcast next Wednesday, the 14th of November, year of our Lord, 2018. Won't be about election. Might just do a totally off-topic one. It could be fun. But i like to ask those that listen to it. It seems to be a lot to you because there was a lot of listens since the last podcast. I would like to do a listener-submitted one for next Wednesday's podcast. So if you have a suggestion for a segment... F-O-P-P-O-D-C-A-S-T at gmail.com. Foppodcast at gmail.com. Send me a suggestion. I will say your name in whatever state you are or whatever you want to be said to be. And you'll have a segment next podcast. I'd really like to do a listener appreciation one. I haven't got any emails. So take some time. And send an email. Until then, have a great rest of the week. Have a great weekend. It's going to be cold where I live. Hope it's not too cold where you live. Enjoy the family. Disconnect from all your devices. Don't give the yeah, yeahs. And as always, thanks for listening. And take care. Thanks for listening to this episode of Flyover Politic Podcast. Remember to check out our website at foppodcast.com. And remember, it's a short ride. Make every day count.